Hi friends, Corrigan here, and you may notice a conspicuous absence of Mark this week. I would like to read for you a little letter before we get started, explaining where exactly our dear Marco is. He writes, Joag friends, Marco here with some words. I'm taking a little hiatus from the cast until the end of the summer. A few life factors are converging right now, which are making me flakier and more unreliable than ever. Work, family, health, a couple of upcoming breaks. A lot is happening at the moment, which is making it difficult to commit to Jack of All Graves to the degree it deserves, so I'm stepping back to deal with my shit and giving Corrigan a break from the stress that is me. Obviously, hearing this comes as a devastating blow, so let me salve the wound with the stellar news that until the end of August, Joag will be co-piloted in my stead by none other than Anna Martin. You'll have no doubt encountered Anna from their regular appearances on Dead and Lovely. Anna brings a thirst for horror which borders on mania and is precisely the sort of haunted little ghoul who I'd want to chronicle the end times on the cast in my absence. It's rough out there, and it ain't getting better anytime soon. Jack of all graves is your safe space to laugh as the clock ticks down on us all. I'm proud as shit of the last three years, and I'll be staying spooky until I speak to you soon. And now back to the podcast. What would you say a normal day of eating looks like for you, Anna? Eating? Yeah, like just, you know, in a regular average Tuesday, what does a day of eating Uh look like for you? Um, gosh, I guess it depends on at what point I wake up. Um, <laughs> sure. A thing, a thing for me, though, is that like if I can help it, if I'm not going out, my first meal of the day, no matter what time it's at, has to be breakfast food. Oh, <laughs> like, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So like if I if and I, I don't do this very often anymore, but if I do wake up at like 1 p.m. or something, uh-huh. I can't just go straight to like food food I have to eat a bowl of cereal or a bagel I don't know why it's just like a weird no like that's that's interesting I'm the total opposite like I generally like I I often wait to eat until it's like noon or one specifically Uh because I usually don't want to eat breakfast food but I feel obligated to I really just want like a grilled cheese or something okay (laughs) so that's fascinating (laughs) but I kind of get it because it's the same hang up it's still a weird yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah so I don't know that's that's a weird thing and then I have become kind of a grazer oh okay Um, so I I snack a lot throughout the day um what kind of things do you like to snack on um hmm once again cereal's always a great fallback like I think it's like the perfect like, I think cereal's honestly kind of the perfect food because it is <laughs> breakfast, but also just great at any time. Okay. Um, Yeah, like sandwiches or, I don't know. T- like, I like kind of comforting things. Mm. I wish I was more of a healthy snacker, but... <laughs> hey, this is a no-judgment zone. That's not the yeah. point of this. So, <laughs> over the course of the day, you know, you wake up. You have some mm-hmm. form of breakfast, and then throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the day, you sort of just, like, pick throughout the day. You don't really do, like, yep. oh, it's lunchtime, oh, it's dinner time. You just kind of, yeah. like, Yeah, and I, I think part of that for me has to do with, like, I just feel very inept in the kitchen. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm not helpless, but sure. I, I'm not, like, I, something sound, will sound good to me, and I know that I can't make it. Aww. So it's just kind of, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't need <laughs> meal times now that I you know live with somebody who cooks all the time right. um we'll do that but our schedule is is you know 
very loose sure <laughs> as far as meals go <laughs> okay very interesting very interesting yeah. i mean i'm always interested in like people's eating habits and what their kitchens look like what they cook all this kind of stuff but as you can imagine in this case i'm not asking you this out of nowhere out of my own sure you know curiosity <laughs> as much as i am interested um, i ask because i'm about to tell you about a man whose appetite was nigh insatiable a guy whose very description is as close to an actual monster as I have ever heard. Interesting. Yeah, and that guy was 18th century French street performer, Terrard. Terrard. Yes. Um, <laughs> or as one YouTube video that's like very popular about this calls it, Terrare. <laughs> and I nice. like watched this whole video and I was like, that can't be right. There's no accent on it. Like this <laughs> absolutely has right. to be wrong. And so then, of course, yeah, I like let's, looked up something that said it out loud. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's giving kid who read voraciously, yes. but never actually right. heard words out like said before. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Which I am totally that kid. Some, For some sure. words like that include albeit, which I thought was all bite for a good chunk oh, of my bite. life or um, pious, which I thought was pious until I said pious. it out loud to a classmate and he was like, sorry, what? <laughs> um, so I thought macabre was macabre oh, for a while. Oh, I love that. So yeah, I still say that sometimes, like just as a little private Amazing. joke to myself that no one else understands. There's a, a little part of me that um, when my sister was young, like she basically didn't read until Harry Potter came out. She was one of those okay. kids who like was like, fuck sure. reading. And then Harry Potter came out and she's like, all I do is read yeah um and so but she started reading it and she pronounced hermione as hermy one that's so cute though it's so great so it's a very like the oneaters kind of situation Uh Um, (laughs) yeah and so in my head sometimes i still read it as hermy one all that's these so cute. years later. So this is Tarar or Tarar. Either mm-hmm. way, not Tarare is this guy's name. And he was okay. born sometime around 1772 in the French countryside outside of Lyon, where from an early age, he suffered from a very unique affliction. All right. He couldn't stop eating. No matter how much his parents fed him, it was never enough to sate his appetite. And by the time he was a teenager, they literally couldn't afford to feed him anymore. Okay. After all, it's said that Tarar could eat his own weight in cow meat in a 24-hour period. Even now, that would be super expensive. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, where did he put it all? We'll get there. Yeah, that is the question. (laughs) Um, So his parents kicked him out to fend for himself, which, as you can imagine, led him first to a life of simply begging on the streets for food, Uh which, you know, you've seen people on the streets. It's not like they make tons of bank doing it. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. enough to, to satisfy him. And so eventually he joined up with a traveling gang of criminals and sex workers and began performing as essentially a freak show. Okay. He would distract audiences with his voracious appetite while his companions picked their pockets and, you know, hype up the audience before a classic snake oil salesman would con them out of the rest of their money. It's so interesting that if he was the one that had like a genuine like kind of ailment about him, but he was kind of the like the... (laughs) 
introduction to right, the fake to the, yeah. shit. Right, like they weren't going to show, like, heal this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really impressed yeah. some people right here. <laughs> but no. Anyway, here's this guy with some terrible dis- wasting disease. Um, buy my snake oil? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's that whole... I actually just watched a video on snake oil um, salesman uh, by Kaz Rowe last night that I highly recommend on the YouTube. Okay. It gives like the whole history of all of that. But it is bonkers uh, the way all that stuff worked. But yeah, he was like the mm-hmm. hype man. He was just like the when you go to see like a TV taping and there's a stand up guy who gets you all excited before right. you see Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically <laughs> what he was doing for these guys. Um and eventually, he made it to Paris, and there he broke off from his posse of vagabonds and started performing on his own. And it wasn't just the volume of his meals in this these performances that dazzled audiences, but what he ate that truly shocked and amazed them. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> what is this like he a, ate? a geek? A geek type of situation? Yeah, basically, where, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, wow. What he ate uh, was pretty much fucking anything, but. <laughs> Let me digress for one moment just to describe Tarar. Because mm-hmm. if you really want to get the full picture of what people were seeing when they turned up for one of his sideshows, it helps to actually get a full picture. Uh, obviously, it's the 1700s, so we don't have any actual photos, but mm-hmm. here's what people said. According to Ripley's, quote, Tarar was diminutive in stature, weighing no more than 100 pounds, prior to eating, at least. Despite all of his daily intake, he never seemed to keep any of the weight on. When empty, (laughs) get ready, when empty, his stomach was loosely distended to the point that he could wrap it around his waist as if it were a belt made of his own still attached flesh. No! Yeah. (laughs) Okay, first of all, like, taking the time to figure out you can do that. I mean, like, if it's your uh, job to be, like, a spectacle, I, I guess that you would look down and be like, I could use this. <laughs> <laughs> it's all content, baby. Right. That's precisely it. This guy would have done numbers on TikTok. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of shit Mark sends me in the middle of the day unsuspectingly. Yeah. Um, when his stomach was full, it was inflated like a balloon, not unlike a pregnant woman in her final trimester. It's like very like okay. snake belly type situation uh-huh. here. Oh, um, his hair was fair and soft, while his cheeks, when not engaged at capacity, allegedly able to hold so much as a dozen eggs, were wrinkled and hung slack to create premature jowls. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this is just kind of some weird hamster man. Right. Like- yeah. Straight up. Like just storing away stuff all in it in his jowls except that like when a hamster or like a chipmunk eats it kind of like then goes back you know kinda. right yeah and they've got some stretch hung. there yeah <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yep. and that's not all according to dr pierre francois percy after terrar ate quote his eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot a visible vapor would rise from his body and he would become lethargic during which time he would belch noisily and his jaws would make swallowing motions. <laughs> he was also described as having an inhumanly wide mouth full of stained teeth and almost non-existent lips. Non-existent lips. Yeah. Uh, so 
this whole thing sounds like that Joseph Fink book that we read in book club, uh-huh. you know? Like, yes. what, what was that called? Alice Isn't Dead. Alice Isn't Dead, you know? Yes. And just like the, the these... kind of just like globby <laughs> yes. people that slump around. Right. And they smell yeah. bad and they leave things stained and just insatiable appetite. Right. Like, that is, I, I wonder if joseph fink was influenced by this because so much of the description in that feels very much like terrar um and and i feel like people in 18th century france were just so used to everyday horrors that they were like wow Mm -hmm. that's interesting (laughs) whereas like right now if this guy existed we would all be like wait what the fuck is this man (laughs) imagine the tiktoks about this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> deep dive part 37 into that's <laughs> like you know that terrare like, <laughs> so you know that lady that has been circulating on the internet on the plane claiming that guy wasn't real like uh-huh like i feel like we'd have a lot of that like this guy right. is some sort of like reptilian and here is my video series on it um he does sound like a person that was cursed by like a, a wicked fairy <laughs> right as like a it's baby. like thinner or something yeah yeah like i yeah and i mean it seems as though he was tr- trying to turn it around and 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 you know make some bank on this curse right. so that's yeah, Good for I mean, him, I guess. Yeah, you got to give him some absolute credit here that, like, he had a problem and needed food, and so he figured out how to use that. He wasn't going to be able right. to, like, just, like, be a tradesman or yeah. something like that, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. He said, I need food, and everyone was, else was like, here's all the food. Yeah. He eat everything. We just want to watch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, sounds great. Sign me up. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but according to All That's Interesting, his jaw could open wide enough that he could pour a whole ass basket of apples in his mouth and then hold a dozen of them in those big jowly cheeks, which is a pretty good trick if disturbing yeah. to try to picture. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I would not want to go to this side show. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, you know, there's certain train wrecks that you can't help but gawk at. Exactly. And then there's others <laughs> that it's like, please, please take this from me. Right. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't want to be a part of this at all. Um, he also ate non-food items like cork and stones, uh, okay. a proclivity I would guess contributed to some of his tooth problems and might have gummed up the internal works in ways that might partially explain the smell too. Uh, mm. And once an intestinal blockage caused him to collapse during a show and members of the audience had to carry him to the local hospital. So, mm. you know. Dedicated. Yeah. Eating things that aren't food, not ideal. Um, no. But again, <laughs> that's not the worst part here. Uh, the real showstopper was Tarar's penchant for eating live animals. He was particularly noted for eating live eels whole without taking eels? a bite. Eels, yeah, which sounds just like a choking. Slurping hazard, it up but... like y- your mom's spaghetti. Exactly like, that. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent all day trying not to think about it, and here you go. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you ever see like? It has to have been like a decade ago now, but there was that time that like a whole bunch of slime eels like fell out of a truck on the street in Oregon, and it was just like the whole, the whole road was just covered in this like snot 
and Ooh. eels and like people yeah. eat them though like that's legit what they're for and right. like every time I think about it like my whole body tenses up I'm just like I don't bleh, I don't yeah. want that in my mouth eels are too close to snakes for me yeah. so well and yeah. with slime yeah I don't mm, I don't want it's, it in my face it ought not to be there it, it, on the road deeply oughtn't <laughs> And so, uh, but on that note, um, his favorite thing to eat was, in fact, snakes. Uh, Ah! And he would kill them with one bite to the the head and then devour them in front of the audience. But there's, like, bones and shit in there. Yeah, I I mean, he's eating rocks, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, maybe the rocks were grinding the bones into like a fine powder. Yeah, he's or like something. got like a little gizzard thing. Sort of. Is that what you call it that birds have? <laughs> they um, grind stuff up with rocks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and also a content warning here for my fellow lover of furry friends because the eels and snakes were probably the least horrifying of his mm-hmm. animal indulgences. Uh, in his act, he was known to take live cats and dogs in his teeth, disembowel them suck all of their blood out, and then eat them whole, leaving nothing but the bones. It was reported that after eating a cat, he would later just puke up all the fur. God. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) So horrible. And people People watched. Yeah. They just stood there. This is the other thing about this. Like, as if it's not bad enough that this man is doing it, (laughs) there are people (laughs) who are enjoying it. Right, like, listen, I've been to the zoo, okay? I've seen, like, a lion eat another mm-hmm. animal or something like that during feeding time. I, I can't call myself guiltless in the spectacle of watching the death of an animal here, but at the same time, watching a human being rip a cat's guts out with his teeth while it's still alive just feels like a bridge too far for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's unnecessary, so. you know? Uh, it's off-putting, maybe. It's off-putting. You know. <laughs> yeah, I have qualms. It's the 1700s <laughs> in France, so yeah. again, <laughs> they don't give a fuck. They do not give a fuck. Uh, according to one surgeon, dogs and cats would flee from him on sight as if they could tell what he had planned. Well, um, I mean, if they're seeing this vapor coming off of him, then like, I mean, I'd probably run too. Exactly. Like it might be that he smelled fetid beyond all conception. Mm. That was the reason that they ran away. And he's and he's got stink <laughs> lines rising off of him. Right. <laughs> yeah, like that character in um Pigpen right, in, yeah. in Charlie Brown. It, pretty much exactly that. Yeah. Um but apparently tired of the street performing lifestyle, Tarard decided to join the war effort, enlisting in the French army where once again he became too hungry to properly feed. They would give him four men's rations each day, but it wasn't enough. He eventually was taken off the front lines and brought to the army surgeons who were understandably fascinated by him and ran numerous tests on him to try to figure out why he was the way he was and exactly what the extent of his anomalous composition was. Hmm. To the doctors, it seemed clear that Tara was unfit for battle, but yeah, yeah like I mean, obviously, but I mean, unless they're wanting him to go out and like, like eat the other yeah, soldiers, right? You know, send him out there with a fork and knife and let him go at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but General Alexandre de Beauharnais felt differently. 
about it. He looked at Tarar and saw a mule, a perfect bodily conveyance for state secrets in their conflict with Prussia. So he put a document in a wooden box and he had Tarar swallow it telling him that it contained very important state secrets and he was to sneak uh-huh. across Prussian enemy lines and deliver the message to a French colonel who had been captured. They dressed him up as a peasant and they sent him on his way. Now, given how I've described Tahar to you, mm-hmm. it should be clear that this is a stupid fucking idea. Yeah. You could smell the man from 20 paces and he looks like <laughs> something a fisherman accidentally dredges up from the bottom of the ocean. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Illustrations out of like a f- old fairy tale book, right. you know. <laughs> Just walking around with like a hood on like, nope, nope, yeah. no, nope, I me. <laughs> Okay, sure. I just have (laughs) items inside me. Right. (laughs) No worries. Uh, Little conspicuous. And to top it off, he didn't speak German. So when he was captured, he was just like, je suis ein Berliner. And they're like, fuck (laughs) off, dude. Jail. So Tarar, thinking he's carrying some life or death information, is taken by the Prussians and whipped and tortured while they demand he tell them of his dastardly plot. And he's like, no, I can't. It's too important. (laughs) But after a while, the torture became too severe and he relented, telling them about the box he was sure to shit out soon. So they (laughs) chained him to the john and (laughs) waited it out. Um, and Tarar, as this is happening, is just absolutely despondent that he was betraying yeah. his country in this way. Only when the box finally made its way through his digestive system, the Prussians opened it and found a note that simply told the colonel to reply, letting Borne know if the box had been delivered successfully. Yeah. So it was like a test? It was... A fucking test. All that inner turmoil over the espionage equivalent of be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Oh, poor Terraria. Poor guy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And now we just can't even get his name right. Um, (laughs) I don't know how French people make their mouth do that, so there's no way I can get that (laughs) accent. (laughs) For our purposes, Terraria, it's fine. Uh, But the Prussian general was pissed. Uh, He just dug through Tarar's famously horrific waste only to find a glorified RSVP card. So in a fit of rage, he ordered poor Tarar to be hanged, going so far as to get the noose around his neck. Thankfully, though, seeing Tarar weeping on the gallows Made him feel kind of bad for him once he leveled his head a little bit, and uh, it's like, oh, this guy's already disgusting, right, and like, now what I'm is gonna his like life, you know? Yeah, poor dude. Yeah, how heartless do you have to be to see this guy <laughs> just so sad and being all of that and execute him? Uh, so yeah, he gave Tarar one more beat down, and he let him go. Mm. At this point, Tarar was at the end of his rope. He begged not only that he never be sent on another one of these spying expeditions, but also that the surgeons try to fix him so he wouldn't have to be like this anymore. Mm. And to their credit, they did their best. It's just that it was the late 1700s in France. 
Right. So their best was plying him with wine, vinegar, tobacco, and laudanum, or feeding him on a diet of dozens of soft-boiled eggs every day. And because he was still underfed, he'd seek out sustenance elsewhere, sometimes just eating straight garbage, other times mm. doing much worse, like drinking blood that had been drawn from other patients in the hospital and even Good eating grief. bodies from the morgue. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but things came to a head when a 14-month-old baby disappeared from the hospital. And while we can't know for sure what happened, people were convinced that Tarar had eaten the child. And with that, <laughs> the doctors had had enough, forcing him back on the street, which, uh -huh. like, honestly, if they really thought he ate a baby, that's a pretty lenient punishment. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess just don't hang out here just anymore. Just get out of here, buddy. Yeah, you can't keep stealing our babies, unfortunately. Yeah. One we baby understand. is the line. <laughs> like, <laughs> One freebie. Yes. <laughs> so, then you gotta get out. Then you gotta get out of here. Um, Tahar wouldn't be heard from again for another four years, when in 1798, Dr. Percy was informed that he had been admitted to a hospital in Versailles, where he was dying of tuberculosis. Although Tarar thought that his ailment had come from ingesting a golden fork some years earlier. No evidence of that was ever I mean, found. it is true that that would probably fuck you up. You shouldn't swallow forks. Yeah. They're pokey. Like, this guy just, <laughs> he needed a little common sense, to yeah. be honest with you. When he died, the odors he emitted were somehow even worse than what he generated in life, and doctors refused to perform an autopsy because they simply couldn't be anywhere near his corpse. Percy persevered, though, and his autopsy was described thusly. Quote, The entrails were putrefied, confounded together, and immersed in pus. The liver was excessively large, void of consistence, and in a putrescent state. The gallbladder was of considerable magnitude, the stomach in a lax state, and having ulcerated patches dispersed about it, covered almost the whole of the abdominal region. My goodness gracious. Yeah. It was reported that his stomach and gullet were abnormally wide, so that you could see straight down his throat into that cavernous stomach. <gasps> what? Yeah. So he opened his mouth and it was just what straight tube. Okay, that I think I would want to see, honestly. <laughs> it is really fascinating. I can't even imagine <laughs> what that would be like. And also, like, this idea of the, the size of that stomach, like, taking up the entire abdominal cavity. Like, there's supposed to be other shit in there. Yeah. <laughs> His stomach was yeah, just so stretched out. Yeah, you have other things in you that, that are important yeah. for life. Right. And those things from that description basically seem like they were just, like, soft and pushed around to the edges. And, ugh, formless. His jaw could stretch so wide that, quote, a cylinder of a foot in circumference could be introduced without touching the palate. And I cannot stress to you enough that this is not folklore. <laughs> there's always a chance some of this was exaggerated, but there's no real uh -huh. reason to think so. Percy was a right. well-respected surgeon credited with revolutionizing military medicine, and his reports on this case were published in medical journals. As far as we know, this shit is true. <laughs> this is how this guy's body was built. You are blowing my mind right now. Right? <laughs> it's blah, wild. 
Yeah. They, they never figured out what caused Tarar to be like this. Uh, he showed no signs of mental illness. And the fact that after all of this eating, he remained thin showed that he clearly wasn't getting the nutrients he needed. Yeah. Some have ex- suggested an extreme case of hyperthyroidism. Some that he had a parasite. Uh, some that he suffered damage to the amygdala, which can cause an inability to register when you're full. Mm-hmm. And because at the time there was actually a similar case, if not quite so extreme, uh, some think that there may have been an environmental reason why this was developing in this period in France. We'll probably never know, mm-hmm. but hopefully no one else will ever be born suffering from this affliction for us to find out. Yeah. It's so interesting that, like, because it seems like he's got several different things going on right. that all correlate like the the ability to open his mouth really wide right. and yeah. like because that seems like how could that be connected to just being hungry all the time right like if it's your amygdala that's like misfiring okay yeah but you would still the rest of your body would be normal and right so it would react accordingly but then he has the yeah massive jaw the wide yeah. mouth the you know the stomach maybe was because of the way he was eating um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that then also, though, he was gaining, he wasn't gaining weight. Right. Like, it's a strange assembly of comorbidities. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I think he must have been cursed. <laughs> that's like, honestly, the only explanation. <laughs> it was, it was fairies. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. Anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Greetings, dear Jack of all graves family. It is wonderful to be back with you again. It feels like it has been forever as it has been two weeks since our last episode in which I was deep diving into the submersible incident. And let me tell you, I have not gotten done with that. I just want to update still into it, still um, reading about it. At this point, it's all my Google suggestions shows me. Is it's like it's figured out that like you know it's always trying to get you to click stuff so it's like it's always like oh what's in her search history or whatever at this point every single time I slide over to the Google suggestions it's just some fucking thing about Stockton Rush yeah they they have you figured out (laughs) yes exactly I have made it very easy at this point Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah still on that track as I brought up in the beginning of the episode. Our dear Marco is on a little hiatus for a couple months, and instead joining me uh, is our favorite haunted little ghoul, Anna Martin. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm stoked to be able to uh, chat with you for the next two months about all things dark and twisted. Yes, all manner of horrors. All manner of atrocities. Yes, exactly. It's going to be a a beautiful thing. As Mark explained, you are a passionate horror head um, Mm -hmm. who, you know, pretty, I'd say probably like 85, 90% of your movie intake is is in the genre. Yes. I do. I I think that's probably 
a little high mm. for right now. I've okay. been trying to catch up on like some of the stuff that I just missed growing up. But yeah, in general, yeah. I mean, I could check my letterbox stats. Yeah, and, and actually see you're, the percentage. You're probably pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have noticed, you know, on there a little bit of like a filling in of the gaps in your yes. your letterbox, which is which is always fun to to mm-hmm. follow along with. Um, so yeah, passionate horror head. Um, one of the things that sort of uh, that made us such a big Anna fan is your um, your movie stories on Instagram where you oh, watch yes. a story mm-hmm. and sort of talk us through <laughs> what you're experiencing as you watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, I started doing that in the beginning of the pandemic um, because I was bored and I had always had an interest in horror. But due to like just my upbringing, um, I was raised in a very religious circle. And while my family was not as strict as many of my friends, um, it was still really frowned upon like to watch horror movies and things like that. But I still liked them. So once the pandemic happened and I wasn't around church people (laughs) and things, I started like thinking I should catch up on some of these really classic horror movies that I've I've never seen before, like Friday the 13th and Halloween, like I'd never seen. And like to me, in in my head, that was like the pinnacle of like, you know, what horror was. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. And so and, and because I like was so interested in these movies, I wanted to talk about them, but I didn't really have any like close friends at the time who also loved horror like as I was learning that I did right um and so I would just kind of like talk about it on Instagram like an imaginary friends you know out there (laughs) that are maybe you know I don't know like I was just I wanted to talk about it and I didn't know where to put it so I just started doing it on Instagram and then it just became a thing that I I just whenever I watch a horror movie on my own I pop on Instagram and react to it and yeah it's just kind of fun way to I've connected with like so many people too through doing that so it's 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 fun yeah I love that it's so much fun to watch and and experience and you know as as people will see as you know you're here for the next you know six or seven weeks that that you're with us um like we always joke about the fact that like either we are like completely simpatico on movies or we are like deeply on opposite ends (laughs) of how we feel about a movie I know and so it's always fun to kind of watch those and see like oh where is it gonna end up on this like are Uh, we gonna be on the same page on this or like completely different (laughs) um, opinions on these um, which if you're a regular Joe Egg listener, you know that is like Mark and I's bread and butter too. You know, Mark mm. likes to quote his grandfather and this <laughs> idea, you know, if we all like the same things, yada, yada. Um, exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, it's very fun fun to watch. And I love that, like, just that sort of idea of like, I needed someone to, to talk about it with. So it was like the strangers of Instagram or like mm-hmm. the faceless audience behind you. Um, and now, yeah. obviously, you know, a lot of people will know you from listening to the sort of Patreon editions mm-hmm. of Dead and Lovely for um, the Hell Rankers uh, series. Yes. It started as, was it Anna, Anadendum? Was that what they were? Anadendums. Anadendums. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we started with, with Leprechaun. Yes. Um, and ranked that, which, you know, uh, also Joe Ag listeners know that that 
me watching Leprechaun came from Joag watch-alongs. Yep, that was our fault, Um, and I apologize, except look at what has (laughs) come from it. (laughs) Do not apologize. I I love it. Yeah, so it started as that, and then we, like, here and there recorded a few kind of mini-sode type things, um, and then once we watched Hellraisers, Hellraiser, um, because, once again, of Joag... Um, <laughs> I forgot that that was decided, twice that that yes, happened. Yeah, oh, because Christ. you guys were, I think we were watching like the, the new reboot, release yeah. last year and I'd only seen like the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that same thing again as with Leprechaun and then Stephen and I decided like this could just be a thing that we do. Huh. Um, and and the name Hell Rankers came from that, that second time we ranked ranked shit. Hellraiser. Yeah. And it's so. beautiful. And it really is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like uh, kind of the nature of like something like your Hellranker series is that inherently most things that there are a lot of are yeah. not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't at keep making stuff times. that's really good most of the time. Yes. Some, there's yeah. exceptions, but. Oh, for sure. You know, so, you know, you've kind of locked yourself into into that but you know they're obviously a huge hit and people love them uh worth your subscription fee to the dead and lovely patreon highly recommend so yeah go go give the dead and lovely boys your dollar papers as <laughs> yes. uncle ben would say yes exactly so you know if you're if you listen to this and you haven't heard anna before and you want to see what they're doing elsewhere there's a good way to do it um but here obviously here is another place to talk about flims aside mm. from just your instagram uh we're gonna today we're gonna have a topic that is a little bit of a downer we're gonna talk about a bit. you know what's going on with the world yeah. today and, and but cathartic as yeah, we approach it together exactly we're going to have a little joag therapy today because i know i need it and i'm sure some of you need it <laughs> so we'll get there but first as always Let's talk about what we've watched lately, Anna. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I figure, hey, out the gate, let's start with one that we did watch together, um, Mm -hmm. which was Children of the Corn, the Shudder version. The 2023 uh, reboot? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I Okay, this is a time when I actually have only seen... (laughs) The original Children of the Corn. Yeah. I'm. I have a weird uh, thing where if a movie is a remake or reboot of something that doesn't involve an entire franchise, right? But is then I can I can watch it without seeing the rest of everything. <laughs> like so it's unaffected by the continuity. Yeah. It's just like yes. standing there on its own. Um, I don't love to do that, but <laughs> it was fine for this as this had absolutely nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And, and it would have been like, <laughs> can you imagine if you had watched the other children, like binged all the children of the corn to watch mm-hmm. that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can imagine well, as yeah, I've, really I've done, point. I've done that before, <laughs> but <laughs> I am really I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do that this time. Yeah. I, it's inevitably in my future, but yeah. for now I, 
I'm fine. <laughs> and this Children of the Corn. Okay, so I rewatched the original not too long ago. I want to say maybe mm-hmm. six months ago, something like that. And I was like, oh, dude, I forgot this sucks. Like, it yeah. is yes. so bad. <laughs> it is. I feel like it is easy to to for, forget that because like it has a lot of cool imagery yes, and some cool exactly. vibes and stuff. And I feel like it starts out really strong. Right. And so like, I tend to remember kind of those parts about it, and then I'll I, I'll pop it on, and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. no, I forgot about all this other stuff. <laughs> I can see why I forgot about it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the like movie has, I feel almost like an. I think it is because of the that there is some cool imagery and stuff like that in mm-hmm. it, but that like it has, I think, kind of an unearned uh, place in that pantheon of films you remember from youth that scared the shit out of you you know yeah. it's like you talk about like oh i i remember this movie and this movie and people would always be mm-hmm. like oh yeah i remember children of the corn scaring the shit out of me when i was a kid yeah and then you watch it and you're like why why <laughs> maybe you as a child were scared of the scary children right i don't yeah i know, think like maybe but... we were you know you just kind of like took a scary looking kid or whatever at face yeah. value as a child i also always have like a theory that maybe people are confusing it with village of the damned um, and okay. that's why they yeah. they make that uh connection um but yeah this children of the corn um is very bad yes but it kind of circles back to trash piece i think yes i agree <laughs> i agree um because like it it felt very out of touch and kind yeah. of like un unearthly in a way right. like people don't talk like yeah. this people don't act like this and yet the production value was such that like I was captivated yeah. by everything that was going on the whole time yeah it felt like it was written by space aliens like yeah because <laughs> people would I mean I think there was actual swearing in it but there was a lot of not swearing yeah frig frig and crud and like things like that and like said (laughs) very seriously but then against like a film with some extremely graphic violence yeah (laughs) um, yeah like that you would think like if they were trying to avoid like um like an r rating or something i mean it's distributed on shutter but like if they were going for like a pg-13 feel Mm -hmm. that violence would have been toned down and not just like yeah. these kids say crap instead. Of right. Shit. It like, kind of did feel to me like it was written by boomers <laughs> um who, you know, like maybe th- to them that is yeah, their funny. vocabulary. Right. And, and I mean and like Colin made a good point in the scream and chat when we were watching this that it's like like Stephen King is notoriously bad at writing dialogue yeah. especially for children. <laughs> and so yes. like Maybe it's simply adhering to the way that, like, he writes. Could be. <laughs> Maybe these are direct it's an quotes homage, from okay. the book. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it felt like it was from another planet entirely, which at first mm. is irritating. You're like, why do people talk like this? What is this absurd story? Uh, right. Why are they acting like this? And then after a while, like, this just sort of, like, you lean into it. And it becomes very fun. By the time we have like some form of tree monster looking like Groot coming and tearing people into a million pieces, you're like, yeah, no, I'm into it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I think it's it's 
best watched like with probably with people yeah totally um yeah and you know maybe on substances right yes exactly <laughs> it's not really meant for you to like sit and like contemplate the movie you yeah, really need seriously to, yeah, a good you know. crew is necessary for the children of the corn remake but honestly i'm gonna say i recommend it yeah same <laughs> i do too what else did you watch um, we watched Idle Hands, uh, which I good think old is Devin one Sawa. You, Yeah, I think you had recommended this to me a That's while possible. ago. Um, and I it's just never streaming on anything that we have. No, it so, never um, is. It's so hard to find. It always has been. Right. So and so now um that we live pretty close to Movie Madness, mm. a video store out here. Um, we've been kind of like getting a bunch of things that we've had on our lists for that. a long time that we haven't been able to watch. And that was that was one of them. Um, and yeah, it, I I can't believe that I haven't heard more people talk about this movie. Right. Yeah. Like, it I mean, it's nothing kind of life changing. Yeah. But it like the the with who's in it right. and like the the effects are great yeah. and so fun. Like I just have never really heard much, and maybe I'm just not like running in the right circles. But like, well, I think it, it's the access thing, though. It really has never sure. been super easily accessible yeah. at any point, and so I think that it doesn't get like that sort of classic treatment that a lot of those '90s mm-hmm. '90s horror movies featuring heartthrobs of the day like right. normally would have gotten. Well, and on top of that, it's Halloween. Right? Like, yeah. Like it should be you- your yearly classic. Exactly. Like, I feel like this is something that now I will want to watch yeah. during that season. Oh, so, man. now I feel yeah, like I, I, need I to wish buy I'd a, seen it a earlier. DVD of that now that you're talking about it. It's been <laughs> a very long time. But. And it definitely has its, um, like, outdated right. uh, humor and, 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 and some of those things, um, which is to be expected. Um, so, yeah, I don't, like, endorse every single thing <laughs> right. in it. But, I, yeah, I, I thought it was a really fun time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is right now you're revisiting so many things that are kind of, like, 90s and 2000s-y. Yeah. And you're, mm-hmm. it's very rare that you don't come across stuff that you're like, yikes. Oh, you know what, like, holds up pretty much completely? What's that? Happy Gilmore. Okay, I just watched I haven't the, seen it. Oh, you've never seen Happy Gilmore? Nope. Oh, man. I love Happy Gilmore. Um, I'm writing it down, though. <laughs> and I watched it the other day and went through this whole movie, and I was like, I don't think that there is, like, a single problematic thing in this whole movie. <laughs> like, That's awesome. It's, it, like, I think there's, like, maybe something that could, like, vaguely be construed as homophobic but it's not really it's like you know bros being like all tight and stuff like that and like you know sure like some pushing someone off and be like oh stop it like yeah but like nothing that's like nobody ever calls someone a slur or anything like right. that there's no like everything in it i was like there there's nothing you would look at this and go like ah, you're gonna have to excuse a little bit of sure misogyny that's awesome. I, like yeah, yeah i'll have to <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Yeah. This was like the like love interest in it is like a powerful working woman and everything. Like it I was just amazed. So Happy Gilmore Friends still holds up. Just watched it like cool. four days ago. Had a great time with it. Um I mean you have to the caveat is you have to enjoy like Adam Sandler humor. If you like sure, every time you okay. see Adam Sandler, you're like, oh fuck this guy. You're not going to enjoy it. You know, it's so funny. I, I don't really like any of the live action movies I've seen him in, but I am 
the biggest fan of Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> I love the shit out of that movie. That's amazing. So there's there's a place in my heart yes, somewhere right. for him. You're not so, completely yeah, closed off. Right. To the Sandman. <laughs> and that maybe is a good enough start. Sure. <laughs> um, but also on the note of animated things like that, I watched um, Nimona. Have you watched that yet? I haven't, but I've been seeing people talk about it, and I've seen a couple like um, screenshots, like stills from it that look really, really gorgeous. Yeah, so it's, it's really, I, I think you're gonna love it. It's, I mean, okay. very much a metaphor for like dysphoria and transness. Okay, um, wow, and um, is beautifully made and very funny. Um, the voice work is great. Riz Ahmed and um, uh, what's her face? Um, I can't think of what her name is right now, <laughs> um, but uh, they do like a fantastic job uh, as the leads okay. in this. Um, Chloe Grace Moretz, that's the oh, that's the yes, I love her, yeah. Okay, and it's you know, I'm usually like 99% of the time, I'm like, stop having actors do voiceovers, get voiceover yeah. actors. Um, but both of them are great. It's got Beck Bennett, it's you know, people who just do a phenomenal job with it so what is the like genre of it it's like a sort of fantasy um okay film so Which if you, you haven't don't usually no, really like i'm not that big much. on animated stuff i'm not big yeah. on fantasy but it's okay that's how good this is it's basically the story of like this guy who is in sort of their world becoming like kind of a knight of sorts okay. but in the process of being knighted um he it, he accidentally kills like the queen who is knighting him and goes oh on the God. run and uh-huh. um meets this creature this girl okay. but who she's got like powers um uh-huh. who then basically you know tries to help him go on the run and and prove his innocence um over the course of this movie and yeah it's it's delightful i think you'll have a great time with it and everyone should awesome. watch it it's on netflix awesome. nimona yeah, I'm writing that down too so I don't forget. <laughs> what else have you got? Um, oh, so um I don't get to do my Instagram things as often as I used to just, you know, like moving and all these things. But right. um uh now whenever Steven is recording, I use that time to kind of like, nice. you know, do my <laughs> my little horror horror time for me right um so this past the past time that i did it i watched may and the brood which i think both of those are things you guys have talked about yeah we have recently ish Mm -hmm. yeah those are the Um, both things that mark and i have watched together yeah yeah and oh my goodness i mean oh gosh may was such a emotional trip Mm. like go on i mean it just it's like it's funny but also so heartbreaking right yeah exactly and so this whole time that you're watching this this woman and how she interacts with the world it's like oh that was really hilarious but then all at the same time I feel like I want to die like this (laughs) you know like I I get secondhand embarrassment oh, so time. bad. Yeah. And like I feel like with many movies like this, I would be like, "Oh, I need to take a break." Right. But this was so well done and there there were enough like 
breaks in the movie itself from those those moments that like it didn't burn me out while I was right, watching it. Yeah. Um yeah, I would highly recommend that um to anyone who kind of wants a more like psychological with like, like a, horror type of thing. Yeah, with a very sort of like 90s girl grunge vibe to it. Yeah. You know, which is unique, I think. I, I was Uh-huh. Almost surprised that a man directed it, except that there is like a kind of silly lesbian storyline in it that's very much sort of male fantasy ish more than like real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did kind of enjoy that, but I think because I wasn't really thinking of the context of like who was behind it, right, yeah. um, which does definitely play, you know, a role in yeah. how it should be interpreted. But um, but yeah, it's like yeah. it's got like a very it's in that vibe of like the kinds of. Yeah, alternative grungy girl stuff mm-hmm. from like yes, the late like 90s Office and early Killer aughts. and yeah, yeah, yeah. American Mary yeah, and totally. you know um, right. even kind of Jennifer's Body in a way, sure, which yeah. I know was a little bit after like a few years after that. Right. But um, yeah, I f- I do think that like if the lady from Office Killer and May like found each other, that they probably would be friends. But <laughs> right. <laughs> unfortunately for both of them, that did not happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, May's a, May's a fun one. Um, yeah. and, the, and then The Brood, yeah, which the brood. you suggested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I've been wanting to watch that for a while. I love Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I've been working my way through all of his horror. So, I think I have one left. Oh, wow. Now. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's there's 10. According to Letterboxd, there's 10 that fall into, like, the, the horror, horror category. category. Specifically. But yeah, The Brood, it just, I mean, 70s horror has like a, a mystique about it, I think, that that like other d- decades don't get. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a feel, yeah. like a vibe with 70s horror that I love so much. I mean, just like the, the richness of the colors in the mm-hmm. film and like it, it feels like... I don't know. I just, if a movie's from the 70s, I'm already automatically going to, like, probably enjoy it. Um, <laughs> more more than I would if, if it weren't. Sure, know. yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, really cool body horror, really cool, like, mystery going on. And, yeah, highly recommend that as well. So thank you for your yeah. recommendation. Yep. Well, you know, we had watched it. Uh, and talked about it on here like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, or whatever. So it was like fresh mm-hmm. in my mind when you were looking for yeah. recommendations. I was like, oh yeah, this one's this one's mm-hmm. good. And you know, my Cronenberg sort of record is much more hit and miss. Um, right. Yeah. So I feel like if if you liked it, yeah. you know that that is definitely going to call out <laughs> right. to me. I'm like, if I enjoyed it, then people who actually like Cronenberg, yeah. are going <laughs> to like it for sure. <laughs> um, I watched the Collingswood story. Have you ever seen that? No, I've never even heard of it. Now, I know, see, you have, like, a fraught relationship with found footage and generally do not like it. You keep trying, but... I uh, do. I want to like it so bad. (laughs) And I, I, I mean, I guess I'm kind of the same way, but maybe just like it a little bit more than you do. But I do find, like, probably 75% of the time it's trash, like... Okay, Maybe even yeah. more than that, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, when there's yeah. a good one, I'm like super stoked on it. Yes. Um, and Collingswood's story is like the first screen life, um, live, uh, not live action, screen life um, 
like found footage movie. Mm-hmm. So this is like 2000. So we're talking about like a 23 okay. year old movie that takes place entirely in a video chat. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is the predecessor to stuff yeah. like Unfriended, Unfriended and Host. And, like, right. You know, um, and this, it's kind of an under the radar movie because, yeah, it came out a long time ago. And it's uh-huh. fascinating to watch because this technology, I mean, is new and also like kind of not real. They've clearly invented this like okay. in 2000 or whatever, like none of us really had video chat or anything like that. Right. It was a pipe dream, but it's the new millennium. Sure, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so like there were various things you could use. The way that they are actually able to like stream in real time, like you and I are talking mm-hmm. and it's not like... Bleh, 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 right, bleh, yeah. Like... Four pixels. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> like this absolutely did not exist at the time. But basically sort of the premise of this is uh, a girl goes away to college and her sort of on again, off again boyfriend of sorts. It's they've got like a very sort of tenuous relationship. Um, is back home. She's in New Jersey. He's in uh, Virginia, I think. Um, and okay. he gets this software that basically connects your phone to your computer to make a video chat thing. So you like call people, um, and they have like their video chat on, and you can talk to them that way. Okay. And as they are talking on this, they sort of encounter like these weirdos on it people who just kind of leave it on and it's just like you know when you were on chat roulette you know or whatever ages ago and you would like go into a random room and there'd just be like some dude jacking off or like whatever like they're (laughs) experiencing this kind of stuff but then they come across this psychic and once they engage with this psychic weird shit starts happening and you're watching through the screen um as you know all of this unfolds it's i think you know, um, it's the first of its kind, right? So it's it's yeah. finding its footing and stuff like that. There's sure. stuff that doesn't work super well mm-hmm. with it. Like in the beginning of the movie, it starts with a soundtrack, you know? So you're like, yeah, oh, so automatically weird. takes you yeah. out of the like immersive. <laughs> right, yeah. Right, and so yeah. They, they do add like, you know, scoring and stuff like that at times to it becomes less distracting over the course of the movie. Mm. Um, and I think okay. much like, I can't think of the name of it, but the other movie that I watched that was like the first found footage movie that mm-hmm. uh, predated Blair Witch. Um, and mm-hmm. that often Blair Witches, you know, people think they basically stole the idea from this movie. Um, and yeah. with that, like I really liked it. And then it kind of shit the bed at the end. I think the ending yeah. of this one isn't great either, but it does you know, the characters feel real, which is really what I want out of a found footage, yeah. you know? Like, yes. I will forgive a ton if you're showing me people who mm-hmm. act like real people, react to things the way people would, if it doesn't feel like they're just reading from a script. And Collingswood's story, absolutely, throughout the, the movie, they feel like two sort of, like, I don't know, to exes that aren't quite exes yet trying to yeah. figure out weird shit that's happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's it's worth a watch. Like I don't think it's necessarily going to be like blow your mind and change your mind about found footage or anything, but I think it's really uh-huh. cool to see like the genesis of a genre being so sure. far ahead of its time in what it was making. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a there's a layer of creativity there that right. is commendable. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Like you can't yeah. you you have to watch this and be like, that's wild that they mm-hmm. <laughs> they did this, you know. Uh, cool. And it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, Collingswood story, I recommend that as well. 
Very nice. Um, let's see. Oh, over 4th of July, we watched Jaws and oh, Independence Day. Yes. I was a little yes. surprised your your Independence Day rating was a little low. Yes. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was like kind of long and boring. <laughs> I think like within this is kind of like how I only recently found out that people don't like Hook. Um, and that, okay, that does blow my mind. I don't understand that at all. I think that's absurd. I, I get it mm. more with Independence Day. I love Independence Day, but only within like the past couple of years did I realize that I think a lot of people feel the way you do. It's like, it's kind of long and boring. That's yeah. Probably doesn't need to stretch things out as much as it does. <laughs> right. And I felt like, I just felt like it was like kind of disjointed because mm-hmm. there's so many characters and they both interact and don't right. all together mixed up in different little groups all the time. And we're always going back and forth between. And then it'll be like 30 minutes and we haven't seen these characters. And now we're back. And I'm like, wait, I forgot that they were in this already. That could just be me, I suppose. But uh, I mean, yeah, I've seen I, it I think, so many times. It's yeah. like I have no objectivity for it because I can't I can't imagine not knowing every single plot point and dialogue sure. line as it comes. So I'm like. You may very well be right about that. I just, I've seen it too many times. <laughs> I think if I had grown up watching it, that I would probably feel differently right, towards yeah. it. Um, especially because like, well, like anything having to do with politics, I'm just kind of like automatically like, ugh, <laughs> you know, this is not fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so if I think if I had been able to kind of enjoy the movie before, like I was older and, and like yeah. had like these things that I was like thinking that maybe it would be different but watching right. it for the first time as an uh, a grown up um <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know yeah. i it just didn't really do- i mean i didn't i didn't hate it and i thought there were some good things about it for sure yeah but it just wasn't like an instant hit i guess sure that's fair that's absolutely fair um on the flip side of that though with jaws oh, i had only seen it one time oh. and i think it was a tv <laughs> like right yeah yeah yeah. um so like i didn't see like the booby scenes and (laughs) like uh you know what gore is is in there right yeah and i was like this is really boring but i was like also you know like probably eight or nine and i just i didn't have the framework to be able to appreciate it Um, so watching that again, it was, it was almost like watching it for the first time because I had forgotten so much of it and like some parts had never even seen it at all. Um, so it was, it was really, really fun. I, I absolutely loved it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So now I'm happy that I have that, yeah. you know, memory now of Jaws to replace that first, yeah. <laughs> first one. Well, it's like, honestly, I think like when I was a kid, I watched Jaws 2 a lot more than I watched Jaws. Okay. Um, and I think that one, like, it's not a better movie. Don't get me wrong. Jaws is my favorite movie <laughs> of all time. Um, but uh. like, I think it's like got more that like interests a kid or whatever because it's like it's a sequel they're like dumbing it down to the lowest common denominator or whatever Um, and so like yeah like there's a lot of like the second one that's more iconic to me than the first one was and I think I benefited from like not seeing the first one 
or at least not remembering seeing the first one until I was a little bit older and then mm-hmm. like could yeah. be like oh no like this is a good movie in its own right, right. but it, I think it probably would have bored me when I was yeah seven sure. eight years old <laughs> as yeah. opposed to being and an adult and enjoying it I also have such a like greater appreciation for like the the craft yeah. now of film right. and like the production of things and so being like watching it and just seeing how gorgeous it looks Mm -hmm. and how many beautiful shots are in it and like like the way that um they utilize like movement and like the and and then the dialogue being so like 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 (laughs) on like and they're and they're just going riffing off of each other like right and 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 the move cameras moving around them and it's dynamic like it and it was such a, a treat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so. I will always say, like, you know, all of that craft is amazing, but one of my absolute favorite things that, like, I love St- Spielberg so much, especially at that time, is the dialogue. And, like you said, it's mm-hmm. so dynamic and uh, people talking over each other, I think, is one of my yes. favorite things about this. Um, that, like, and that's an art. It so is. And, like, there's, yeah. like, so, for example, in it, you know, there's the scene where, um, you know, Brody gets the phone call about, about like what happened, you know, there's been an attack and all that. And in the background, his kid has come inside and he's like, I cut my hand. And so in the back, uh, his wife and kid are like talking as they're like washing out the cut and he's on the Mm -hmm. phone, you know, like discussing this. And it's like, it really, like that kind of crosstalk um, Mm -hmm. is hard to do right. I think one of the few things that I've seen, like aside from Spielberg, is the show Parenthood was really good at that. They'd have like a dinner scene and everyone was having different conversations, you know, and... Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like, if you see that, like, have you seen Close Encounters? Not yet, but Phenomenal. it is on my list. Does the same sort of thing, you know, the kind of, like, yeah. uh, crosstalk, the way that, like, say someone will leave a room, right, but hear someone mm-hmm. say something in the other room, and then you'll hear them yell back something, you yes. know, something like that, um, that it's just, it's that real life element of it mm-hmm. that, like, and, helps and immerse they're you. Able- yeah, and they're able to capture it in a way that isn't muddy, that we right. are getting all the information that we need. Yes. It's not distracting. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I I am so happy that, like, I actually did get to basically experience it as that as an adult yeah. because, yeah, I think that there's so many beautiful, gorgeous details about it that I may not have noticed. Right, yeah. You know, if I was just used to it yeah absolutely from from an early age so (laughs) always brings me joy one of my favorite things is you know taking like a friend who's never seen it to like Mm -hmm. a movie theater when they happen to be showing it or things like that I just love you know fresh people seeing Jaws and I don't think I've ever seen it with anyone who didn't like it (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah that's awesome it's beautiful to see um like I said, I'm on my, I'm still on my submersible thing. I watched a submersible movie called Pressure. Um, okay. I don't recommend it. It's, it's <laughs> bad. It's a bad movie. Um, it has uh, Matthew Good. It has uh, Danny Houston. It's, you know, it's got people in it. Um, uh-huh. And it was, I literally, at the beginning of the movie, when the characters were laid out, I said to Keo, like, this character is going to die first because he said something kind of <laughs> racist. This guy sure. is going to die next. This one is going to die to sacrificing himself for this guy. 
And the only mm. thing I got wrong was I reversed which one that like just died and which one sacrificed himself. Those gotcha. two were switched, but that was exactly yeah. what happened in, yeah. in this thing. I was like, I could spot uh, it a mile away. The formula was, is formula. Yeah, big time formulating. <laughs> and it was just, it was weird. It made weird choices, like trying to be like artistic and do something with itself that was, that made no sense. Uh, so I don't recommend Pressure. I do recommend, of course, always Titanic, um, mm. which I think when I was a kid, um, I really only enjoyed the second half of Titanic. I was like deeply bored by the love story. <laughs> yeah, I, I've i never seen Titanic. <laughs> oh, dude. Bro, it is so good. Like, oh, really? I, okay. It's okay. so fucking good. And, and like... It really, the first half of it is like a very, um, it's kind of a cheesy love story or whatever. Uh It's a little melodramatic and all of that kind of stuff. But the characters are great. There's like these wonderful quips and sense of humor in it. Your sense of place and the scope of the Titanic, or it's James Cameron. So, of course, it's just incredible to look at um it this movie from like nearly 30 years ago looks way better than avatar the way of water (laughs) yeah because it's real it's you know it's real and they there's cg obviously in it but um it's used sparingly it's pulled back on you know right as it was always intended right. to be used for. Exactly. It's why movies like Titanic or like Twister or things like that still hold up because like at yeah. the core of it, it was supposed to like help, some, yes. you know, it was supposed to be like add this in a little bit and it's going to mm-hmm. give you that little extra to it. And now it's like, no, that's what movies are. Um, but no, Titanic is great. And it's, so you get this whole first half. That's this great story with these, like, just, I mean, the characters are tropey as fuck, but in like a great way. Um, Mm -hmm. Billy Zane is such an awesome asshole in it. Um, you know, all these (laughs) rich characters of people. (laughs) Um, and then you get the boat sinking, which mm-hmm. literally, I was watching this. I've seen Titanic who knows how many times. But, you know, even with something that I like and stuff, I'm often scrolling through my phone. I'm doing my Duolingo, sure. whatever. And it was like once that boat started sinking, I just put down my phone and I just watched. Like I physically could not pull my eyes away from what was happening on the screen because it's just so captivating. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I Titanic is like an absolute must see in my opinion. Okay. I don't think that that's a matter also of like growing up with it because, like I said, I didn't love sure. it when I was young, and mm-hmm. it's something that as an adult I have come to like really see the art in it, how like mm-hmm. the incredible craft it takes to make this movie, and just like really lean into the fun of of the movie up until it gets yeah. obviously horribly tragic. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've watch convinced it. me. Yeah. Watch Titanic. It's a really good time. <laughs> um, just quickly to go through some other ones. Um, I watched a movie called Brooklyn 45 on Shudder. Really kind of an interesting, pl- plays like a play. Feels like it should oh, be cool. on stage. It's about um, these this group of sort of older, like in their like late 50s, 60s, people who have been in the war Um, and they obviously all have various levels of trauma around this, um, and are meeting up at this guy's house whose wife has, uh, taken her own life, 
um, mm. because no one believed her that their German neighbors a few doors down were Nazis um, and she couldn't take it anymore. And mm. all these people assemble at this little party um, and it leads to like a seance and then chaos mm. <laughs> from all that right. point forward. But it's not like... Um, it's not an action-heavy movie. It's a very dialogue-heavy movie. And from okay. there, it kind of rolls into just panic and tension and in, inner turmoil, their trauma manifesting and a mistrust mm-hmm. of each other. Um, and so it's a little slow move. Like, it's not slow moving. It's just not action-heavy. But it is sure. very much like, feels like a play, theatrical. These people working cool. through their trauma in sometimes violent <laughs> ways. And uh-huh. um yeah, it's Brooklyn 45, I think, is is worth a look. It's like 90 minutes, which I like. Okay. Always a good thing. Yeah. Um, cool. And that's newer, right? Yeah, it just came out. It's on like the okay. featured things on Shudder. Um, watched the Friday the 13th, 2009 remake with Mark, who <laughs> fell asleep. It was trash. Yeah, Such not trash. good. I, not good. I didn't look at Letterboxd before. And then when I looked and it was like everyone from the normal scre- scream and chat posse, it was like one, two stars. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a It's bad too movie. shiny for a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, it's very like, it feels like it, it very paint by numbers. It's doing yeah. what a slasher movie should do uh-huh. with like, yeah, none of the, grit to it none of it's just Mm -hmm. polished and like you didn't dislike any anyone enough to want them to get Mm -hmm. killed and you didn't like anyone enough to not want them to get killed yeah it was just like okay these people are here it's what it is so Mm -hmm. not great not great i saw the blackening um oh i'm very excited yeah that that was i really enjoyed that one again 90 minutes is always a good thing good horror comedy that is very black and i really appreciated the deep blackness of it and one of the things that's so great about that is um that it is intentionally subverting a lot of horror tropes and doing that conspicuously because That's what we do, right? Black audiences sit there and we yell at the white people for <laughs> doing stupid shit that would get yes. you killed. And so the stuff that like normally in a slasher movie people go and do, these characters like very consciously do not do those things. Awesome. <laughs> um, and so that like that kind of makes things fun and a little more surprising at times and things like that. I have never felt more represented on screen than one mixed race girl in that film who accidentally takes Adderall and loses her fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is me. She like starts like, she wants to sit and like think about her feelings for a while. And then she just starts getting like really crazy and like I was like mm. that's exactly me this is I why I don't it. take Adderall <laughs> so that's awesome felt really seen uh in the blackening awesome and finally for my watches um which we both watched as well Insidious the Red Door came yes. out this particular week I I actually like um watched it went and watched it last night because i knew you'd seen it and i knew you'd be talking about it and i didn't want to know anything about it (laughs) before i saw it yeah very fair so yeah it was a fun little impromptu uh trip to the movies last night very nice and you had commented you were like i always you know have to go to the movies to see a horror movie and i'm the same way like if i have the opportunity 
I gotta go. In fact, that's how I went and saw the blackening is I was like, looked at the showings. and I was like, oh, this is definitely like the last day it's going to be there. I gotta go. Yeah. Um, I ended up seeing Insidious twice um, because... I saw that. I went to see it. And then afterwards, oh, Kristen tweeted me and she retweeted Mm -hmm. Patrick Wilson. She was like, is this where you're seeing it right now? And Patrick Wilson was like, I'll see you all at like the Claridge um, Uh for the talk back tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God, yes. This is like literally Uh what I just walked out of. So I walked back to the movie theater and I was like, so what time is Patrick Wilson going to be here tomorrow? And they were like, oh, 11. And I was like, cool, so will I. Two tickets, please. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I went and saw it first just regularly and then Mm -hmm. again the next day with a QA and a with Patrick Wilson afterwards, which was super cool delightful um, i just love patrick I wilson love that. to the core of my being I, yeah um i really i really dug it um i like i think i just really like insidious because to me you know it just has this like the quality of my nightmares you know it's kind mm-hmm. of like how when mark was describing skinnamarink he's like oh this is like what nightmares are like you know these little flashes yeah. of things and i'm like it's not really what my nightmares are like insidious is <laughs> where yes. you know you're trapped you you can't really uh-huh. do anything people just move weirdly and mm-hmm. wrong like chase like yeah, chasing you exactly. like being pursued mm-hmm. by these creatures right. sometimes just yeah. unsettling things like a, a perfectly normal children's song like tiptoe through the tulips all mm-hmm. of a sudden becomes like very sinister like yeah it, it hits me right in the space that like creeps me out and i i like in these movies that even though they are very jump scare heavy that one thing I always think about is how like you pointed out a couple years ago and now I can never unsee it that like if yeah. like a ghost or whatever is like standing in the corner or whatever like that's for us mm-hmm. that's yeah. like what why are they doing that there's no reason yeah. in the story for them to be doing this um mm-hmm. if a character can't in the universe yeah, can't, can't see, see the it. thing that yeah. is there to scare them then it must be for the audience right um, yeah. And so I think about that a lot when I watch things like, you know, yeah, if the, what are they doing there if the other per- mm-hmm. if the other person can't see them? And I like in Insidious that um, the scares are always for them. And yes. so there is an earnedness to the jump scares that comes yes. from the fact that they're happening to them directly. And exactly. I'm just there for the rides. So yeah. It's never like the, you know, the what we've talked about many times, like the mirror scare, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. they, you know, open the mirror and there's nothing there and then they close it and then it's like the, like, or, you know, they open, you think there's going to be someone there and there isn't mm-hmm. and then they turn around, like you get the music cue and then they turn around, there uh-huh. they are. And it's like, it's never that kind of thing. It's like very much... You know, if someone, if there's going to be a scare like that, like in the first Insidious, there's a mirror scare of sorts, but it's something slowly walking up behind Mm -hmm. someone in the mirror. Um, And you get a lot of those in this movie, the like something slowly approaching. Yes. And so you get to experience like different kinds of fear. Like, so there's like the kind of adrenaline shock fear that you're getting because of like the different jump scares in universe. And but then you also have that kind of creeping dread. Right. Yes. Kind of like in the pit of your stomach, (laughs) like, 
oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, don't turn around, don't turn yeah. around, don't look, don't see it. Like It makes you start yeah. doing the thing where it's like you pull the blankets over your eyes mm-hmm. and it, like so like the monster <laughs> won't get you. You don't want them to look. You're like, then the monster will get you. <laughs> yes, I was definitely watching certain scenes through like my eyes were squinting yeah. so much because like I was so like, nervous. And exactly. then at one point I turned, because I had a baseball cap on, so I turned it around and so like I had my mask on and I had my like bill down and so I kind of just had like this view right of my eyes and I was like okay okay I can do this this is fine we're good (laughs) and it's so it's so crazy because I am so desensitized right to like most everything and then I go and see a a Blumhouse movie that scares the shit out of me exactly and I like so I did I did really enjoy that aspect of it yeah yeah I like, think you the were, insidious you know, movies get me you had said like you know that the script is is not great and stuff like that it's I'm like not. yeah no it, probably not so much um but it is one of those ones that I have enough fun with it like because yeah. like you said like I'm it's so rare to scare me in mm-hmm. something and to be able to build up that like palatable right. dread and the like you yeah. know just every form of like fear react. <laughs> I can have uh-huh. during this movie and it didn't die like the second time I saw it I like had just as much dread if not more so knowing right things were about yes. to happen because you you're know? anticipating right. it this time and it's like oh god yeah so I just yeah. you know writing aside it's like I'm just mm-hmm. so in this this zone where finally I'm like something is like making me really feel Right. The fear that got us all into horror movies when we were like a kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yes, I exactly. That. I mean, Insidious was one of the first that, you know, um, really like the first horror movies that I, I got into. Yeah. And precisely because it did, it, it made me feel those feelings right. that I was hunting for, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I, I think another aspect of those for me that like is what like pushes my fear buttons is that it's at home. Yes, exactly. And so yeah. that's what's so <laughs> scary is that like I might not relate to every setting right. that is in a, mo- in a movie, but I can relate to being at home yeah. and wondering if the creak I just heard in the closet is... Yes you know, a, uh, a being right. <laughs> or, you know, like that, that is very relatable to me. And so kind yeah. of like this invasion and, and I know like this takes place also partially at school, but it's the same thing in a dorm room. Like yeah. that's it's where your you live. space. <laughs> yes. And so ha- being able to be reached by these monsters, even in like where you're supposed to be safest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that is so terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, which is a thing Patrick Wilson brought up, you know, is this like idea of like you're finding like nowhere is safe for you, you know, with mm-hmm. with this. And um, one of the things that oh, I lost my train of thought. You just said before the oh um, the home thing being in um, home. Yeah, the one of the things that like someone had said in the the Dead and Lovely group, like you know, do people find these scaries scary? I've never really like you know, I found them kind of like cheesy or whatever. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I point out was, like, think about in the first one, right, where Mm -hmm. uh, Rose Byrne goes out to, like, empty the trash or whatever, and then the wind blows the curtain uh, uh, open, and she looks in her Mm -hmm. living room, and there's just a fucking, like, kid yeah, like doing a little jig in the corner of Uh the room. Like, imagine your reaction if you saw that. Like, you know, it's home. Like, there should not be anyone in there. 
Like, yeah, don't disturb my my sanctuary. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's just like really like those movies are so effective in, in mm-hmm. that way, you know, that I forgive a lot about them. Um, yeah. You know, like, honestly, I don't really care about the further in any of those movies. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not really the interesting part of it for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's really more just kind of like what what happens to them in the real world as they, mm-hmm. you know, deal with navigate. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, I I quite enjoyed Insidious. Uh, we'll probably watch it many times mm-hmm. again. <laughs> Any other awesome. movies you want to run through before we? Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, we also watched Half Baked. <laughs> um, yeah, nice. that was that was a fun time. Okay. Um, let's see, Tropic Thunder. Oh, uh, classic. Um, which, yes. Oh my God, <laughs> I've been wanting to watch this for a long time. And once again, this was one of the ones that we ended up needing to rent because it's just not yeah. anywhere you know that we have streaming. Um, and like just the commentary. Yeah on like the the era and movie making and it was awesome i loved it i thought it was great yeah it's always funny Um, the like you know this goes around that like every six months like gen zers get a hold of like yes rdj and blackface and like try Uh to cancel them or whatever right (laughs) it's like like, no actually context does matter yeah because it's very rare this is the case you're usually right, right but in this case yeah it absolutely makes sense and it is raising the same outrage problem that you are. Right yes. Here. It yes. It is it the movie's actually on your side, yes, guys. Exactly. <laughs> right. The yeah. movie would cancel him too. Yes. <laughs> FYI. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Classic. Um yeah, so that was great. And then we also rented Howard the Duck. Mm. Um <laughs> What did you that, think of you, that? You know, I I love weird movies. Yes. Yeah, that's very weird. Um, and I've heard that this movie is is like bizarre, and and I agree. Um, and the parts that were bizarre were so bizarre. Yeah. But then I feel like I almost wanted it to be weirder. Sure, yeah. Like I feel like it was in this weird in between range of there's too much normal for it to be so bonkers that you're entertained mm-hmm. the whole time, but yeah. it's weird enough that like. It puts off most people, yeah, I think. I think that's absolutely so, true. I there were certainly aspects of it that I th- loved. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like a highlights reel may be more fun right, than actually yeah. sitting down and watching the whole Watch time. a highlight reel of that and then just watch Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. From start to finish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on Friday night, um, we for our uh, screaming chat with the Dun and Lovelies, um, we are doing uh, the Joe Bob Briggs uh, yes. last drive-in still right now. Um, so they showed Mad God. Yes, uh, the for Phil their first Tippett movie. animated mm-hmm. film. Yes. Um, I know this isn't, it wasn't really your thing. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, just, you know, like animation is hard, especially right. stop motion. And so I just found myself not paying attention. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It made me feel alive. Wow. Like, just, like, going back to, like, the production, like, the care mm, and mm-hmm. the detail and the love and everything that went into that movie, um, I, it just, 
it was so inspiring to me I love that. like that someone would be so dedicated to a project for so long and and it it like it shows right yeah definitely you can tell that this was a labor you know yeah. of of love and like oh i just i mean i know that a lot of people don't care for the meandering storyline but <laughs> sure. i feel like that's not really the point right. of it like um something that was really interesting because uh joe bob was actually interviewing phil tippett nice. um yeah, it was so interesting to hear uh, what he had to say about it. But like at one point, Joe Bob pointed out like the movies like overwhelming at times. And Phil Tippett was like, oh, I'm overwhelmed with life, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, wow, relatable like game. it. Yeah, yeah. Like just like, you know, he talked about how he just dreamed about it, too, mm. for you know, years and stuff, um, just every night, like dreaming about this movie and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, 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 if, if not having like a, a followable plot is hard right. for, you know, viewers, I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, but for me, like just being able to throw it on and like, I didn't I was not on my phone like right, I normally yeah. am very active in the chat but like I fell off almost immediately I was just so engrossed nice. yeah um so if you if you if you like that kind of thing right. then I I absolutely recommend like I'm still thinking about it oh, I love like that. yeah yeah really beautiful I mean and beautiful in a, in a disgusting right. way <laughs> <Sure>. but like <laughs> yeah beautiful in the sense of of what it means right yeah yeah definitely I mean, that's yeah. the that's the thing about it is that like, like I said, I, you know, in the chat, I was like, this is not really for me. But like, that's mm -hmm. not an indictment of the quality of this or anything. Sure. The passion behind it, the craft yeah. behind it, all of that kind of stuff. Like, I deeply respect that. It was similar similar with like the house, you know, and I, I watched yeah. that a couple weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> and like, I mean, it was I just <laughs> I told Keo um, that like so my dog has never been able to recognize a screen as like a person, right? Okay, so like yeah. when I when I lived in Oregon and Keo lived in California, um, we would like Skype and I'd try to get the dog's attention and be like, mm -hmm. hey, gaucho, gaucho. And he would not acknowledge me at all. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's like me with animation, <laughs> like okay. especially stop motion is that like I – and, you know, I can hear Mark right now. Is this something uh -huh. to do with your neurodivergence? <laughs> I have a hard time with, like, non-human expressions. And so sure. particularly with stop motion, I think I don't recognize humans behind the faces. Uh-huh. Um, and so I... It's like I can't see them, <laughs> you know? I just okay. sort of, like, tune out what people are going yeah. through and stuff like that in okay. a stop-motion movie. I'm like, I'm Very like my dog. I simply uh -huh. cannot register, <laughs> like, this yarn yeah. thing as a, as a person and then follow and become attached to their stories. And mm -hmm. this has always been the case, like... Other than like, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. That's about that's about mm -hmm. it. But everything since then that people love, like Coraline and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like, I love the book Coraline, <laughs> but mm -hmm. yeah. the movie does nothing for me because I simply don't read human emotion into yeah. stop motion stuff. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like that's very really weird. fascinating. It's, yeah, but 
I think I've finally figured out that like that's what the issue is for me is I have yeah. a lot of trouble. Well, that makes with sense because like isn't that why oh, like people who have a an aversion to clowns kind of it's the same mm, thing where they right, you yeah. know you pick you pick up on the fact that the makeup isn't yeah isn't their face a real human or right. real human emotions and so it's unsettling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've yeah. Always <laughs> had a deep yeah. aversion to clowns. <laughs> Uh, find stop motion unsettling uh, and yeah. hard to read. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I saw that you didn't rate it um, <laughs> when you logged it. And so I was like, oof, that probably means that she didn't like it, right. but that not because she thought it was right. Bad. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. If I don't rate something, <laughs> that is usually the reason. It's that uh, yeah. didn't click with me, but it's not the thing's fault mm. <laughs> it's a me issue not the thing where i could appreciate the craft <laughs> and everything that went into it but i just was like what's happening yeah i get it <laughs> anyways shall we move on to our therapy session here let's Anna? Shall. let's Let's get into it. And and I explained to you, so where this came from, this was going to be last week's episode before um, Dear Mark left us, which honestly is somewhat like, it feels kind of right given <laughs> the topic was like yeah. being overwhelmed with the state of the world and everything. And then when we went to record it, Mark was like, nope, brain gone, can't do it. I got to take yeah. a break. Um, and... So I had said to him that I wanted to do like a Joag therapy episode um, dealing with the fact that I don't feel good about the state of the world today on Mm -hmm. many levels. Um, And as I explained to you, the thing that kind of like triggered this and really kind of sent me spiraling in the first place um, was that like I was reading like Instagram things, stuff like that, you know, and I follow things like BBC News and all that kind of stuff. And um, they'll have stories about like LGBTQ things in them. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed an increase in the comments of people, you know, calling LGBTQ people groomers, um, Mm -hmm. talking about like just that standard like very 90s line of I don't care what people do but stop throwing it in my face like you know it's because it was pride month so there's a lot of content like on along these lines and then a lot of comments like these that were getting a lot of likes and then you know as I kind of explained that I was like like I know those of us who aren't like that also aren't commenting like we we don't do that you don't argue Mm -hmm. with randos or whatever and so there's not a lot of pushback as a Mm -hmm. result but I also noticed that when people did push back they weren't getting nearly as many likes as the one from ones from the people who were saying all of this terrible shit and that kind of like seeing that kind of sent me in this like despairing place where Mm -hmm. I was just thinking like it feels like people are empathizing with each other less and I've always known the idea of progress is a myth Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know we have to take into account that there is so much propaganda out there right now Uh, That started with, you know, let's demonize trans people and now has gotten sort of into this very backwards place 
also of like, Mm -hmm. and now any form of queer person is also a groomer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it started with like, oh, this little niche of people we're going to demonize and it's expanding. Um, And just seeing that happening put me in this place of like, I don't know what to do about this, Mm -hmm. you know, where it feels like people are increasing in their hatred and othering of other people. Yeah. And I feel somewhat powerless <laughs> in how I can do anything about mm-hmm. that. So that was kind of where this came from was like starting with this place of like I'm seeing such an incredible increase in queer hate right now. Yeah. Um and that that set me off. And then over the course of like the week that followed that, we then had all of these like Supreme Court decisions that are mm-hmm. dismantling our rights and our democracy over here. Yeah, just devastating. Yeah, just one blow after another. Yeah. I mean, we started yeah. with uh, what was the first thing that oh, affirmative action um, being struck down. Um, we followed that with like basically a case that said that it's okay to deny queer people service. Um, mm-hmm. Based on a, a what is allegedly from, not yeah. even a, a true story. Yeah, like a fake situation, which then, of course, then got me smiling on like, I already know the Supreme Court is trash. I wrote a whole video yeah. on that. I'll link to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also they don't even do basic research on anything because then no so yeah. that happened that was like based on a completely false case and then also the student loan um mm-hmm. forgiveness was struck down also based on a case in which the company that was brought up that was like supposed to be harmed by this didn't want to be a part of the suit at all they were like we nope this is fine like we are not claiming uh. harm from this uh, yeah. And the Supreme Court used it anyway. Um, oh my God! And uh, they don't care. They don't. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what it comes <laughs> right. down to. Like, it doesn't even come down to ignorant. Like that, it would almost be better if it were just plain ignorance. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it's the fact that they just don't give a shit. They want this. Right. And they will. So do they're going anything. to make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. That like. Whether or not the cases are valid behind them, they want Mm -hmm. these particular political ends. And so they are going to find their way to it no matter what that is. It really makes it feel like we're just living in a sham of a country. Like we have no say. (laughs) Nothing. We have no say. They tell us we do. Right. I mean, but I I, I do think, though, that like because all of this, I think what is the most like overwhelming sense is that we're being bombarded with just a, the sh- a sheer magnitude of information mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we're just not really equipped yeah. for yeah. and so i think that like you know the uh, uh, and 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 also with just like the grand scale of things like we we it's easy to just like look at the accumulation of yeah. everything and and but when you kind of get more granular and like look at your community mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. narrow it down to that like that's where it's really important to be involved because yeah, you're you know the really president is not going who the president yeah. is is not going to affect your life right. it's just not, not going to they're both the same <laughs> but your mayor yes. probably will 100% 
So, you know, and like also just um, what you were saying with like the comments things on, on Instagram, like um, I, I've noticed that on Instagram and obviously Twitter. Yeah. Um, I mean, Twitter and, is and, just getting more and more right. fascist by the day. <laughs> I tend to think that like algorithms and bots are pushing, skewing mm-hmm. it in a way that makes it feel like it's yeah, more prevalent. Not to say that it, it is. isn't yeah. there and that it isn't like dangerous, right. but like I think that the their goal is to really try to make everyone feel like this is the overwhelming voice. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But then when I was reading uh, an, a a post on Facebook um, uh, from a, a former library that I used to be involved with, um, they had posted some pride stuff. And um, what was really heartwarming to me because I was I was like obsessively like going back to this post and like checking to see, you know, what people were saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the people who were who were being homophobic and transphobic um, were being pushed back mm, by mm-hmm. by allies. Right. Um, which is this is, you know, what we need allies for right, exactly. to take on some of that emotional labor so that we don't have to. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and I'm like, I know that this is the thing. I know that it's not going to change their minds, but it does let them know that they can't just say shit and expect no consequences. Right. There are going to be people. And so in in, those, in that smaller instance of like this mm. very personal, like a, a, a place and like a city, you know, where there's like community members, I think it's easier to see the pushback sometimes yeah. than when we're just like in this nebulous internet. Yeah, that's where a really... We don't even yeah. know if these people are real. <laughs> right, yeah. How many of you these know? are bots in and of themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's it's always, kind of like... Yeah, ugh. like it's a balance for me, I think, with that of like... Like I said, with like A, people who aren't that shit often aren't the ones commenting on things, you know? So there is mm-hmm. that. But also this like balance of like... You know, you want to take it seriously because, you know, if you sleep on what is happening, that's when it becomes normalized and, you know, Mm -hmm. it it takes over. But at the same time, you know, absolutely that how much is algorithmically pushed, especially like I don't Mm -hmm. I do not fight with anyone on Twitter. I have long since stopped QTing assholes even to dunk on them on Twitter and things like Mm -hmm. that, because like, you know, Elon Musk has said that's the point. You know, he wants a he wants the fascism. He likes it. He's on Mm -hmm. board with it. But also he wants us fighting because it drives engagement. And that's good for Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, understanding that things are being pushed specifically because they don't give a fuck. They just want the most clicks. They want the most engagement. What's going to look good? What's going to get your eyes on their advertisers? Things like that. That is a huge part of it so I think yeah. like that is sort of the balance of like you do have to take seriously that oh like this absolutely stuff is happening and there is growing sentiment that I think people who I mean this is one of the things that is so disturbing to me that people who a year ago like didn't give a shit about drag queens mm-hmm. and drag brunches and drag right. readings at your library who now like vehemently hate these people and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff like that is real but balancing yeah. that with the like sense of I think it's such a, a good point I've always said like you know it really doesn't matter like who the president is and things like that it's local politics that mm-hmm. matter and I voted in every local election <laughs> basically yeah. in my uh, entire adult life 
Um, but it's absolutely true that, you know, looking at communities um, mm-hmm. is I think that's a really good way to sort of combat the homeless, uh, homeless, hopelessness. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to combat the homeless. <laughs> <laughs> combat the hopelessness. Uh, because, you know, I live in a place where obviously this is not how people are. Um, largely people are very supportive. Right. And in fact, mm-hmm. like sometime in the last year or so, a conservative group uh, tried to get a whole bunch of books banned from the Glen Ridge mm-hmm. Public Library, which is just down the street from me. And the entire town fought back. Glen Ridge awesome. only has like 7,000 people in it or whatever. And mm-hmm. everybody came out and fought that. Um, awesome. And so you can see, like, still all these months later, people still have Glen Ridge Against Book Band signs on their lawn Mm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And we have huge mutual aid groups here. Like, you know, people Mm -hmm. are taken care of very well in this area. We have a huge gentrification problem, too. And these larger Mm -hmm. structures are a big issue. Um, But we have a guy running for mayor who I have plenty of you know, disagreements with these like Hillary Clinton bro, all that kind of stuff, mm, worked for her sure. campaign. At the same time, very much listens to the community and is okay with going against people who are on, he's on city council now, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, want things for the town that the residents largely don't. Um, he advocates for rent control and all these kinds of stuff and is always trying to figure out how we can slow <laughs> This yeah. uh, inexorable push towards gentrification and pushing of poor black people out of this town. So, like, I think you are absolutely right to, like, look at before despairing over this kind mm-hmm. of stuff to, like, you know, look at the helpers or whatever the Mr. Rogers right. quote was and, like, look in your yeah. community and, yeah. like, start from there. Right. <laughs> yeah, because there is there is work that has to be done, but like if we if we get so caught up in like how scary it is, then, you know, it we're not going to we're it's going to inhibit us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we we have to like, you know, be be equipped and some of that being equipped is like remembering who are who who we have on our side right so that we can work together better to to do the work that has to be done yeah and you're raising like a one of the key points here i think is like organizing right and the fact Mm -hmm. that i think you know to your point the big picture is too big and we want to yeah. fight it all. Another thing that, like, you know, th- th- this past week has had, like, four of the hottest days ever recorded, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's yep. nothing that I can do because this is companies who are doing this, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. my plastic or paper straw is not going to make a difference in this. But yeah. that, like, you know, we have all of these kinds of things happening and the big picture is, like, very overwhelming, Um, But finding, you know, if we in each of our communities actually start mobilizing and organizing instead of like thinking that we need to I need to personally figure out a way to shut down Shell. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's not going to work. But if we stop doom scrolling for a minute Mm -hmm. and like find each other, find each other like for every maybe that's the challenge is like for every time you find yourself in a doom scroll, you have to pause and spend like 20 minutes 
researching like mutual aid, like mm-hmm. local organizing political groups, like something like that that you can like actively do right. in your area <laughs> to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we are like, if we're gonna actually fight any of this, like mm-hmm. I am too small. <laughs> right. But if every Together. city in America <laughs> is full of groups that are doing this and I can be right. a part of this, then eventually, you know, who are they going to sell their oil to if we all refuse right. to to use it? It's the same know? thing with like if, if everyone would just strike. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. we have them in the palm of our hands, yep. technically. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I think just, we keep... it, it, it's, it's something an individual can't right. do. Yeah, we keep edging towards that, you know, more and more industry striking and things like that and seeing how it brings, you know, whole industries to their knees. Now imagine if everyone did it Um, and it just takes us, yes, stopping that spiral that we end up in Mm -hmm. and instead going, well, okay, what what can I do on my local level? And all of us, you know, building a little oogie boogie of <laughs> activists yes. in our various corners that. you know may become more unstoppable that way yeah um we did ask you know other people uh what were some of the things that are stressing them out right mm-hmm. now um and you know here's just a few of those those answers that we got for one um brandon i want to apologize he said mark's reference to a crossbow bolt as an arrow has haunted me all week <laughs> I don't know anything about crossbows. They're not arrows. <laughs> I I I guess not. Is a crossbow the one that you pull yeah, you back like from pull here? Yeah, you like pull it kind of from a horizontal. Yeah. Yes, I get. I guess. I guess it's not an know. arrow. Um, I don't. I don't know. I guess maybe now that I'm picturing them, maybe they're a little thicker. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe. why. It would be maybe it doesn't. A... Yeah. Maybe it's not. Um, what's that word you use when something is shaped like a dart? I don't know. I don't know. Triangular, uh, whatever. Tapered? Maybe? No. I'm not sure. Um, either way, dear Brandon, we don't know anything <laughs> about crossbows. Uh, and while Mark is not here to apologize for himself, I apologize <laughs> for the anxiety and stress that that particular mistake has caused. And after this, maybe I will look up the anatomy of a crossbow and figure <laughs> it out. From this point forward, we won't make that mistake. <laughs> uh, um, Rob, I think... What we were just talking about really speaks to uh, what Rob brought up as his source of anxiety. He said, Mm -hmm. for me, it feels like humanity has come to publicly accept the T-800's viewpoint, quote, it's in your nature to destroy yourselves. Hmm. But also to not even pretend anymore like that isn't true. Everyone is acting like we're doomed. We know it. I'm going to take what I want. We're one lane away from Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Um, Very apocalyptic, like dystopian, right feelings. Yeah, and I think like I connect to that for sure. That kind of sense, um, not like person. I don't think, hey, it's the end of the world. Fuck it, do what I want. But I do yeah. see that. You know, the kind of uh, I resonate with that anxiety that it feels like mm-hmm. people. You know, one of the things that you see. Um, repeated, it's like, you know, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Right. And that is true. Um, Mm -hmm. But how that has been sort of taken uh, by a lot of people to mean, like, don't try 
then. Right. So get yeah. your sheen hauls and like whatever. Right. Like fuck it. Like what are we going to do? Again, I can't take down Shell. So what does it matter what I do personally? Yeah. It's very much that mindset, like, uh, recycled of the, the you know, who cares if kids are, like, being, like, harassed or bullied. Like, they should get a thick skin because that's how right. the world is. Yeah. It's like, but the world is that because we are perpetuating because yeah, we allow that to happen right and 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 every co- contribution like matters right. so like even you know yeah it's not free reign to just act however you want exactly. because the world's in flame like don't add to the flames right exactly <laughs> um and i think that there we do there is, you know, a nihilistic bent towards a lot of younger people, not all, not all of them, um, because I think also younger people are like, to your point earlier, and to sort of go against that as well, a lot of younger people are very good at organizing and are more yeah. knowledgeable um, than a lot of us, like, you know, millennials, Gen X mm-hmm. people were, you know, like, I, I think it took me a long time to really kind of like, understand politics or become like really invested um in them and understand like what they really what role it really played in my life um and i think you know because of like millennials you know we came to grow up at a point where like you know i graduated straight into the recession there was like no jobs or anything like that which is why I, an overstimulated person who doesn't really like kids, became a babysitter when I graduated from college, you know. Uh, And we graduated into a lot of hopelessness, student loan debt, joblessness, uh, the sense that, you know, our generation would never have kids or homes or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think millennials didn't become like Gen X is kind of known for being like, well, then fuck it. You know, um, they made movies about how much they did not give a shit. Like that was their generation's sort of thing. And millennials are less like that, but are a little Mm -hmm. more hopeless. And then I think Gen Z is kind of, you know, some are very sort of nihilistic, very like we can't change this. So fuck it, whatever. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to sit here and watch my TikTok all day and get absorbed and whatever and not bother. But a lot (laughs) are actually quite the opposite Um, and are really aware and are really pushing back against that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is good to remember that. It's kind of the same thing as, like, um, earlier with, like, remembering there it, – it's not, a, like, a homogenous, right. like, thing. There's, there's nuances yeah. in – in that generation. Yeah. yeah. So it can, uh, you know, to to say, Rob, very much feel that anxiety and maybe some hope can be provided in the fact that, like, yeah, there's definitely an air of that. Um, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of people pushing back against that. He also wanted us to know that dogs make him feel better about this when he pets them. Same. I agree. Very much so. I'm like, mm-hmm. I soak up every one of those good endorphins with from a cuddle for my dog yes like, yeah best thing in the world. i wanted i wanted a dog my whole life and it wasn't until like you know very recently that i've had one and <laughs> it it has truly improved the yeah. quality of my life like honestly i don't know how yeah. people live without them <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's yeah hard to imagine i mean my husband grew up like with dogs as a kid and stuff like that but then didn't have another one until we got together and I was like, I don't understand why you don't have a dog. 
Yeah. <laughs> and now every time I walk downstairs, the dog is like draped over his neck or oh, on his tummy yeah. or something like that. So like, cute. Yeah. So yes, also Rob, dogs. Dogs. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, Jason said, the state of the Supreme Court in the U.S., and the ease in which our laws cement minority rule in the U.S. are a constant source of stress and heart mm. heartburn for me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yup. That's, that's a huge one. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that is kind of important to me and is very difficult is that we are locked into a two-party system. Um, yeah. And so people who don't, who think the Democrats aren't doing enough, uh, don't have, are not allowed to vote for anyone else because it's throwing mm-hmm. your vote away, right? But we don't really right. have a chance in like primaries to vote for anyone else either because they'll just throw exactly. it. Like, you know, yeah. last last election basically announcing early on like, oh, Joe Biden won the primaries when it was like, no, no, he didn't. And now yeah. we all have to accept that. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't have, like, any sort of form of pushback on that to get someone mm-hmm. in office who would do take the steps it takes to balance mm-hmm. out this Supreme Court. Right. Um, well, and, yeah, and just, like, the, the lack of solidity is so stressful because even if we get, like good news about something how do we know that in a few months they're not going to change their minds exactly that yeah they can just come around and strike it right down on us so like you can't trust that um anything good stays uh Mm -hmm. and that is yeah it puts everything in this like very precarious place to know that every single right you have can be challenged by these people who were not elected um right. and who you know again as i richard had asked for a supreme court explainer for idiots like i said i'll link to my wisecrack video that um explains mm. this more in depth but the thing about the supreme court is what they are they are established by the constitution but beyond that what they do has sort of been molded over time um mm-hmm. and their express you know duties and what they have the power to do has been decided by themselves they have been the ones to determine how much power the supreme court has and to do what Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff um even the fact that they are appointed lifelong like that's not necessarily in the constitution that's um an interpretation a tradition um in the court just like the number of justices is not in the constitution that's tradition that's an Mm -hmm. interpretation um right and so these things can be changed, um, but yeah. they're kind but of... But they they operate based on precedent. Right, exactly. So it's not based on context. It's not ba- of, you know, today. Right. It's not based on, you know, a case-by-case basis. Right. It is based on what have we historically done? Mm-hmm. And how have, you know, yeah. and, and, but how do... I, the judge, feel about right. how what we've historically exactly. done. <laughs> yeah, they're originalists to the point where it agrees with them uh, uh, on these things. And that idea of, of precedent um, just sort of works strongly in the favor of like corporations and things mm-hmm. like that. Because one of the things about that precedent is that the Supreme Court does not see themselves as a rights granting institution. So Mm -hmm. they, in a case in which 
human rights come up or your civil rights come up, they largely do not feel it is their duty to give rights that are not explicitly in the Constitution. So if a corporation goes up against an individual um, uh-huh. on something, you know, or even a group of individuals, for example, the million women who sued Walmart, um, mm-hmm. ultimately, the Supreme Court sides with the corporation, one, because ideologically that's what those judges believe in, um, and two, because they see siding with the individual or group of individuals as granting rights. Mm-hmm. And that is not their job as they see it. Now, of course, we right. can see it's how to that... to interpret. Right. Yeah. We can see how that plays out differently, though, when it's like, yeah. can you make a website for... Uh, like, can you say you won't make a website for gays? Then all of a sudden they are granting you the right to Religious not right. do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bestowed by God, apparently. <laughs> right. You know, so it's there are caveats to that, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to religion being protected by the Constitution. That gives them a lot more wiggle room to make laws that um, tend to favor religious people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, one of those things where like, there's not a ton we can necessarily do uh, right. about the Supreme Court, except to say like, maybe we stop accepting that we're not allowed to vote for anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, start organizing around other candidates and not letting them go. Like, they have unilaterally decided that Joe Biden is the candidate for, yeah you know, our next yeah. one. And you have people like, um. What's the fellow who calls everybody brother or something and he's running? um, I don't know. Cornell West. Brother Cornell West who's running and things like that. But it's, you know, an unserious campaign. He was introduced Mm -hmm. by Russell Brand with his political campaign. Like, Oh, interesting (sighs) choice there. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, he thinks it's serious, but that is a... Come on, that's how you're yeah. going to put yourself out there. Uh, there isn't, you know, necessarily like a viable other candidate. But, but fuck it, I would vote for Cornell West over Joe Biden mm-hmm. in a primary. Yeah. Like, let's let's let people act- actively fight that out and not mm-hmm. say if you if you do that, you're mm-hmm. voting in Trump or whatever, it's you know. So it's so fun to like. <laughs> have regular ass folks come up with better solutions to how this process works. Right. But like, but we just can't do it. We just can't yeah. do it that way yeah. because they know that if we did, they wouldn't get what they want. <laughs> right. Like, so there's like a big roadblock <laughs> in the way here. That is, yeah. you know, we all kind of know what the solutions are. Um, and yet uh, we're intentionally blocked from, from doing those. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be less gullible. You know, like, that's the thing. You just see so many people who buy into those lines about, like, you know, our representatives can't do this. Joe Biden can't do this. This person who I voted for can't do this, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, when, like, fascists have no problem getting things done. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, like, it's we don't do the it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. And we got to start doing that. You know, so Democrats have people applauding the fact that they didn't let Republicans do something terrible. Right. And like, that's the that's the the bar pinnacle. Yeah, right. 
that they prevented something bad worse from happening. Not that they're even doing anything that helps us. Right. It's exactly. just like we stepped in and saved the day and it's like, okay, well, mm. can you keep going? And it clearly doesn't work all the time, no. like with abortion uh-huh. rights and things like that. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're obviously getting like very political about this here, but just to say like when it comes to this Supreme Court stuff that I think is stressing a lot of us out because it directly affects us. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a thing, like I mentioned to you the like list of like things people hate about podcasts or whatever, it turns them off podcasts. People are like, when they get political. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, okay, but like literally if you're going to address anything about the world, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Like, it is what it is. Right. Uh, It's inescapable. It's inescapable. You know, I guess you can go listen to something that just doesn't broach the real life that we live and the Mm. horrors of humanity. But that's not this podcast. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, (laughs) we've got to call it out. Uh, But also separately, he also said the fact that a billion dollar corporation, UFC and multi-billion dollar media network, ESPN, are promoting an absolutely trash human spewing the worst kind of misogynistic bullshit. That makes me profoundly pessimistic about the state of the world, which I don't follow UFC or anything like Mm. that. But like also, you know, a thing that had happened um, like earlier this year was um, Dana White, who I guess is like the CEO of UFC, was like caught on camera slapping his wife. Um, Oh, my God. Like straight up. Uh, And he had a deal with um, TBS to air a show called Power Slap, uh, coincidentally, that was horrible. Um, This Uh show aired after AEW Dynamite. And the entire premise of this show was basically people stand still while someone else smacks them full force, which causes deep head trauma. People were knocked out instantly and they were paid like a grand for this. Just like this is straight up like sideshow shit, like bum fights, like stuff like that. Like I'll buy you a sandwich if you fight each other kind of shit. Uh Horrible. And comes out. The week after he is caught on camera slapping his wife and he got to decide his consequences. He came out and he was like, well, you know, my reputation has suffered and I think that's enough. And TBS kept airing this show or started airing no, this show. He didn't. Like, what the fuck? Oh my and what's God. worse is that so like, I mean, not what's worse, but like along with that, AEW Dynamite had a wrestler who was in Ring of Honor had died in a terrible car accident um, with his daughter and, like, some of her friends. Um, And he was, like, a beloved wrestler, he and his brother. His name was Jay Briscoe. His brother's Mark Briscoe. And AEW wanted to do an episode that centered on him, like a memorial episode. Uh, And TBS said no because, like, 12 years ago, uh, Mark and Jay Briscoe had made some homophobic remarks which mm. since then they have loudly and vocally <laughs> said like we were absolute idiots you know yeah. we thought we were speaking for the lord like absolutely not sure. that's not the case and have like disavowed it a thousand times over and loudly yeah. since then and they wouldn't do a memorial episode to Ugh. Jay Briscoe but right after that episode where all they were allowed to do was put his picture up they played power slap <laughs> With this motherfucker oh who had just been caught on camera beating his wife. 
it's maddening. It is. <laughs> like, and the fact, like, it gets, it, if people consume that content, so that means that not only are people brazen enough to put it out there, but but they're right because people well, want it. In this like, case, thankfully, it failed miserably. Nobody wanted good. to watch that. And, like, they were counting on, like, oh, AEW people, the lead-in will help. And everyone oh turned gosh. it off okay. immediately. Well, some faith <laughs> so, in humanity right. restored then. There's our silver lining right there. Well, he yeah. got away with it in the sense that he's still a bajillionaire running UFC yeah. and everything. That show, collectively, society said, no, fuck you. Good. Nobody wants people to wants to watch people just get brain damage while standing still, yeah. you know, and... But at the same time, like, yeah, there's no, there was no consequences for, like, UFC or anything like that, yeah. you know? People are still watching that in spite of the person that he is. Um, yeah. So then I guess the other thing is that, like, okay, so people don't want it, but then you just get away with it, like, right. and it doesn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a huge audience for it. There's people who will defend it, you know, just like the Jonah Hill thing, there's plenty of people out yeah. defending him, manipulating and controlling his girlfriend. And what is that like? Part of some people that they are they are so dedicated to defending someone that they don't know has no connection. <laughs> right. They have no skin in the game. Uh, like, but they do, I think, is a thing because they know they are implicated by it. And that can be, I think, from both angles of that, either people know that they do that and they want the right to be able to do that, right? Like, I want to be able to control my girlfriend and so it is necessary for me to fight this and say that is not abuse. I need to be able to say what she can They're just telling on themselves then. Exactly that. Yeah. And then you see, like, women do it too, but I think that, like, women... I mean, women can be controlling, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, they may be also showing themselves with this, too. But also there's that, like, if it's being done to you maybe currently um, Mm. or in the past has been and you don't want to acknowledge that abuse has happened to you or that you are in a bad relationship, you might defend it as well as, like, you know, I can't grapple with what has being d- been done to me and right. so I need to fight this idea and think that it's totally okay that yeah. someone would tell me how to live my life <laughs> like yeah it's a complicated thing um but there's like so many just like gross terrible people out there and they get to be rich and famous and get off with no consequences and things like that um yeah you know, my silver lining, I guess, to this one is that, like, we know, <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. like, uh, there's more pushback now than there ever has been against stuff like this. And mm-hmm. and that when people tell on themselves, like, good, uh, right. we know there's a whole group of people who, you know, don't care and support all this stuff no matter what and all that. And that can be our red flag <laughs> for, you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> a community that we don't want to be a part of. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. very uh, true. Find our people. Um, from Canadian boy Ryan, the fact that grocery stores have more security now than most airports. Like, I just want some fucking bananas. Stop trying to make me feel like a criminal before I even check out. Right? I don't. I don't have this experience. 
Oh, okay. Well, okay. I think this this may be regional. Okay. Because I guess I, I when I was in Wisconsin, I didn't notice it as, as much. Uh-huh. But here in Portland, um, I like we have commented on how um we very rarely see cops like when we're out and about. Right. Um. Unless it's like the end of the month and it seems like they're just trying to like right, pull anyone yeah. over for anything. <laughs> but um but but when we go to the grocery store, um, there's it's like all the cops are at the grocery store, basically. It feels like the grocery store security team is probably off duty cops. <laughs> like I mean, I don't know. I, I assume some of them are. Right. But like well you walk in there will be like two or three just hanging around Wild. the entrance, standing in the produce section. Um, yeah, like that's bonkers. Like it is and the, the Walmart here too. I mean, huh. both Walmarts in Portland closed recently. Uh-huh. Um, but before they did, like just regular things would be locked up, right? Like jackets and huh. like yeah, um, like certain like skincare products and things right. are just like locked up. Um. So yeah, and there's like there the stores have their own like security team like cars like out in the parking lot, and it's like wow. what are you doing? Like that's just wild. sitting. Yeah, it's very strange. That reminds like when I lived in South Africa, like you would go to the like mall or like that had like the grocery store and stuff in it, and there would like mm-hmm. legit be like guards walking around with AKs, and it was like very distressing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But like, yes, and then also like you're on camera, like always, and like they sometimes at the stores here they'll have like a big screen at the at the self checks. Yeah, yeah. That you you, can see everybody. It's like just a regular TV, and you can just see it all. So that's like makes me self conscious as well. Yeah. Like it's just uh, going to the grocery store is always already like (laughs) upsetting to me. It's like I don't want to be here. I don't want to like see people. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like, please. And now it's like now I feel like I'm being watched by. Yeah, it's. Well, this is fascinating to me. I had not really experienced this. I mean, to be fair, I don't go inside the grocery store a lot. I usually order and pick up my groceries, but I I do go in sometimes. And I really. Yeah. They're like the shop right that I go to. There's like a. Just like a plain clothes like security guy or whatever that like stands yeah. at the door and looks very bored. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like that's the only security that I have ever seen at that place. <laughs> like, yeah. So this is this is news to me. I do like I know that like the locking up things happen and it's always like it's kind of terrible because always stuff like baby supplies and things like that because yes. that's what yeah. people in desperation steal. Right. Um, but like I remember when I lived in Anaheim. I would go to the Vons across the street from my apartment and like people shoplifted all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember like one day a guy like ran out with like two big cases of Natty Ice and like the like security <laughs> guard was like, hey. And then, then the guy just left and it was like, Mwah. <laughs> like, oh my god that was about like the extent of it they didn't have like real yeah. cops or anything it was just someone to be like make a note someone stole right. some beer mm-hmm. okay <laughs> so, yeah very interesting try to, try to like scare the the casual shoplifters out of trying right. anything yeah exactly yeah. you know just like people who would see someone in a uniform and be like oh yeah. i better not steal exactly that's who they're weeding out mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh nick had a three-part i think we've kind of addressed this but to re- i think it sums up 
what we were sort of talking about. He said, surely the majority of people cannot be this stupid, easily led, vile towards fellow humans. Sure, we should have a revolution, but wouldn't that just be an opportunity for other assholes to run the show? And Mm -hmm. is everything so fucked that it could never truly be unfucked? Yeah. (laughs) Those are kind of the questions, right? Like that is, if you were to summarize all of this, you know, are we all so easily led towards the our worst human inclinations, you know, to mm-hmm. believe the worst things, to act the worst ways towards each other, things like that. That can't that can't be, can it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that can't be yeah. our evolution. We're social animals. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a societal issue. Uh, so no, right. I don't believe inherently this has to be the case, no. but we certainly act this way. Yeah, I think it's just like a lot of environmental and contextual like factors mm-hmm. that have kind of conditioned us to, you know, as like collective us right. this way. Um because it it's it's not universal mm-hmm. and it's not it's not time a timeless right you know yeah, it exactly. couldn't be it's not sustainable yeah right we can see it's not sustainable that's why yeah. the climate is collapsing because yeah you know it's not a sustainable way to approach the world mm-hmm. and it certainly has so always been this way if we can fig you know like figure out what the causes are and start you know chipping away at those then we can you know but i think that's the thing is that like the the is it so fucked that we can't get you know unfucked like that really like resonates with me Mm -hmm. but it's like we can we can start from something fresh like it just once again it takes enough people to to do it yes and i think that that but i oh go ahead well i was just gonna say i i think that like where we are now, I think it, it it would be harder to try to like pull back. Mm-hmm. I think we we can start over. It just it needs to be like a clean start and right. not like a trying to fix what's here. Right. We need yeah, to build something new yeah. <laughs> because you we know, might as not people be able to. Out, it's not broken. This is how it was meant right. to work. So you right. Have to so we may down. not be able to unfuck this situation but we can unfuck ourselves out of the situation right maybe yeah exactly you know and you know i think that also goes to that point of like if we have a revolution wouldn't just other assholes run the show and i think that it can feel that way right and and we've Mm -hmm. been conditioned to think that way kind of like how people say like oh communism or socialism doesn't work because they're corrupt like well so is capitalism obviously um Mm -hmm. but also because like you know it's the way that those things have been implemented and and also Mm -hmm. we tend to demonize things that like are working (laughs) um but also like you know it's intervention from outside it's the Mm -hmm. way in which these things have happened and to look at this stuff we can say like it's about the way that we organize and the way that we come together so that you know it is not an inevitability that just some other asshole dictator Mm -hmm. comes through but if we follow through with our goals and our values and organize in the right ways collectively (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we can make it so that that is not the case you know and and right yeah just being intentional mm-hmm. in in like knowing that if we have concerns well how how can we like mitigate like factors that would contribute to the, those things happening right. yeah um so yeah just like i mean that's a, it's really good to have like an awareness of that mm-hmm. that that's a possibility because 
that gives us like the ability to plan for that right. so that it, it would be less likely to happen. And like I said, it's that, you know, we have to be less gullible. Don't just fall for the, you know, the next person who looks powerful enough and persuasive mm-hmm. enough and things like that to to lead you, but actually find people who are for the people. And, and, and one of the things, you know, Um, to get a little communist on Maine or whatever here. But like, (laughs) just as a like a thought to that is like the idea that one of the principal tenets of communism is like instant recalls, right? And when someone um, isn't working out, you don't wait until their term is up and vote them out. But the people determine that like, now you're gone here, Mm -hmm. bud. Um, And just putting power back in people's hands, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that is in a communist society or whatever kind of society, the important thing here is that we always remember that whatever we come up with, the power has to be in our hands. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to just resign ourselves to being stuck with something because that's the rule. Right, yeah. And that's what makes us feel so powerless now is just that we feel like nothing is in our hands. Um, And that's not true. And I think, you know, what you said at the beginning of this conversation is like so important to remember. If you feel like things are out of your hands, then go do something locally. Mm -hmm. Go find some organization in your neighborhood, in your community. Mm -hmm. Go find mutual aid. (laughs) I'll give you a really easy place to start. uh, The local library. Yes. Yes. I has, you know, I'll always, always push library usage. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things that li- libraries want to do in their communities and are doing. Um, they're going to vary, you know, from community to community. But like librarians will know of a place that you can start. They may even have programs right, themselves yeah. where they're interacting with the communities and things. So like that's that's just something that like just easy you know like trip down to a great place yeah. and talk to knowledgeable people about areas that you could you know help out and stuff right exactly so you know i think if there's anything that we we want people to take with them in our you know therapy session here is like when you feel powerless find mm-hmm. what you can have power over you know, and that is in a collective sense, not you individually taking control of things, but to say, you know, where can I put my energy that brings more power to the people? Because it's out there. It exists wherever the hell mm-hmm. you are, you know, <laughs> even if, you know, you're in some podunk place in the middle of nowhere or whatever, and there is no library or things like that, you know, right. find the find someone to feed or something like that, yeah. like whatever you if can If you can do. improve the quality of even one person's life for a little bit, like you've yeah. done something meaningful right. and it's that happening over and over and over and over and spreading, that's, you know, when we feel less powerless yeah. because, yeah, if we start small but continue the momentum, it's going to grow. Exactly. Totally that. And the one thing left as our way to to release some of this tension and catharsis richard asked for a ranking of best animals um i don't know (laughs) that i can provide a full ranking but like maybe we could just like name a few animals that are great that we like great animals like whale sharks Um, i love a whale shark so majestic Awesome. Yeah. I I feel like this may be a weird one, but I love deer so much. Ooh. I think they're so graceful 
and like beautiful <laughs> and also also on the flip side of that unsettling i love that yeah. mixture of like <laughs> like beautiful and if you encounter this in the middle of the night and you see the glowing eyes right. in the dark and you're driving like oh that's terrifying yeah, also so, like, a little that bit marrying. of the ethereal creature yeah. from beyond look about yes. them yeah yes i, I, I like that <laughs> Um, I love a, a, a groundhog. We have a lot of groundhogs, and every single time mm-hmm. I see a groundhog, it makes me deeply happy. There was I went out earlier mm-hmm. today to take the dog outside, and there was one just like munching in the back of our garden. I was like, "Yo, yo, oh, there's a groundhog." That just makes me think of like like being a kid and watching cartoons yes. and like <laughs> like just like Winnie the Pooh characters yes. and stuff. Like, yeah, it's just very uh, a comforting presence. Yes, absolutely. Love a groundhog. Um, yeah. I, I, that reminds me, another small, small animal, raccoons. Oh, I love a are, raccoon. Yeah, we we had a couple that lived in our neighborhood in Wisconsin, and they would, like, sometimes, like, pop out of, like, the, the, the grates. Yes, just, they're like, always in the grates. While you'd walk by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I always would, like, just imagine that they were off on some, like, heist after <laughs> after I would see them. I mean, that is more or less what raccoons are doing at any Basically. given time. Right? They're either sleeping or they're on a heist. Heisting, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're perfectly dressed for the occasion. Mm. You fucking love a raccoon. I think the goat probably is not goats, but it's got to be the cap- capybara. I mean, on any ranking. Oh, okay. Come on. Yeah. They are friend to all animals. Mm-hmm. They're just chilling, living their lives, cuddling whoever. They don't care what you're into. They don't care who you love. They <laughs> just want a nice cuddle, some yuzu mm-hmm. baths, and like hang out. Yeah. Capybaras. Gotta love them. <laughs> so, Richard, I hope that helps uh, and that that helps the rest of you. Anna, it has been delightful to have you, and I'm looking forward to many more episodes. We'll get back to yes, sort I. of our regular dark programming next week. Uh, it's good to have some therapy and mm-hmm. all that jazz. Um, so, uh, and people can find uh, Dear Anna all over the internet. You want to say where you can be found? Um, I'm on Instagram at the Mad Beanie. That's with two D's. Um, on Twitter, I think the same handle. On Blue Sky at Anna on a Cross. Um, (laughs) yeah. Oh, Letterboxd at the Mad Beanie as well. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd all the time, so (laughs) I'd love to have more friends on there. Beautiful. I spend a lot of my day refreshing Letterboxd, hoping that someone's posted something. Uh, so dear friends, thanks for hanging out with us. We've made it this long. We've had a great time. We're glad you're here. Hope it felt a little therapeutic for you and that maybe you feel a little bit hopeful about what you can do in this sometimes seemingly hopeless world. Next week, we'll just talk about some more dark shit. How does that sound? That sound pretty good? I'm very excited. Wonderful. So, you know, go ahead and until then, why don't you just, uh, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Ooh.